Shane's not going to be any threat to Craig, you would have thought, in any challenge. No, unless biggest breast challenge or something. podcast daring to talk about the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the present day. And you may remember us. We are a show that does exist. It's It's been a while. We are back. Very excited to be back with you once again to talk about Australian Survivor. A lot has happened since our last episode. We didn't decide to just go away and think, oh, well, Karen's become a cannibal. We we just can't decide to talk about things anymore. Life happens. Life changes. And there's kind of been a bit of a global pandemic, which might have also affected a few things along the way. But all that's in the past because we are back today. We are so excited. We're so excited to talk about Australian Survivor again. And I'm so excited to be able to say that my name is Ben Waterworth and I'm pumped and ready to go and I want to talk to this beautiful man that's in front of me on a screen on Skype. Benjamin Waterworth, it is great to be back here on ASA. So much has happened. You're right. You're you're 100% right. We, we, we're back. It's been a while, but, um, mate, I, I'm, I'm pumped to start talking about uh, Australian Survivor Season 1. I mean, who knows what country you're in these days. Every time I do these podcasts, you seem to be one minute in New Zealand, next minute you're you know, somewhere else in the middle of the world. Who knows? But, uh, but, mate, we made it happen. We're back, and another great episode here to talk about today. Can't wait to get back into it, mate. I don't even know where I am half the time. Uh, don't know what day it is. Don't know what time it is. I don't know who you are anymore. I mean, you're a married man now. Congratulations, Matthew Dyson, married man. I should uh, point that out. So a lot has changed for you as well. Um, we've we've got a new winner of Australian Survivor to date this completely. Uh, All Stars is over with. Uh, so we've got another person out there that will no doubt maybe reference in some of these episodes moving forward. But uh, just, you know, the, the world has changed slightly. You think we would have done more of that? these, Matt, not less of them, but, uh, you know, we're, we're back at least. We'll say, we'll say, of all these people who are starting podcasts right now and continuing podcasts, we just let everyone do their thing and the best comes up at the end. Save the best to last, right? That's right, Ben. We're just giving people a chance to go and do their own stuff, do their own podcast. But uh, as the golden god, god always says, the cream rises to the top and we're back here. And you're right, I am a married man now. I'm actually on my honeymoon right now. That's why... <laughs> I also had to take a bit of a break here. I, I don't think podcasting with you, Ben, over my honeymoon every day would have uh, gone down too well with the uh, with the wife. But, mate, uh, got a chance to do it today. And, uh, mate, I'm fresh off watching this episode again. And, uh, mate, I know I say – I probably sound like a broken record. I, I say this not with every episode. I have admitted there's been some bad episodes along the way. But, um, mate, I, I watched this again this morning and – there's not a real lot wrong with it, um, especially considering it was shot 19 years ago. Um, so, mate, I want to get 
smack bang into it. I want to hear about your thoughts about this episode and uh, some of, some of these characters, the stuff that's going on. As my good man, David Haas, said in one of the very early episodes, he says, this little kitchen is heating up. Well, mate, I wish he was still on the show by this stage because it, it, the kitchen is really heating up at this stage of the game. It starts on day 22. So much to talk about. Three minutes and 20 seconds it took for you to mention David Haas. Um, <laughs> not sure if that's a record or not, but hey. Uh... Another thing too, before we get started, how good were those um, DVD covers that our uh, our friend on uh, social media on Instagram did up? Um We'll have to give a shout out to him later on, or if you if if you can bring it up now, Ben. But they were brilliant, and I I actually so he did the original. I'm going to tell a secret. So he did an original one up, and then I said to I messaged him personally, and I said, "Mate, is there any chance you can put one of David Haas on there?" So he rearranged it, and he put a cover on, and had David Haas on the cover, and it was it was great. So uh, and then and then I got stitched up. I don't know whether you had anything to do with it or what, but then I got stitched up, and I. One morning I wake up and I get on social media and here's a cover of just just me on it. So uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I was going to get to a few little housekeeping things here. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, D-Tran um, was the one who did these and basically saw that he, I think he tagged us in it, um, that he had kind of done this and fantastic work. If, if anybody hasn't seen these, head to our uh, social media pages. We, we post them a few weeks ago and basically um, did a fantastic work doing these in the style of what the DVD covers look like. If you've ever seen a version of the US Survivor DVD covers, you know, you sort of got the winner in the front section and then often they would, they used to kind of do it like the top six, but then it kind of turned into the big players or the players who then would return for an all-star season. So we did that for the first one and then basically ended up doing it for all the other Australian Survivor seasons. And through this too, uh, I will say he's actually even managed to source a couple of great photos from uh, season two, which will come in handy for when we get to that season as well um but the the season one one I, I did like your little comment there about david haas ended up putting him on there somebody had mentioned something about joel shouldn't be on there uh so they then did one with i think shona on uh, uh sorry sylvan on there as well but the one with you uh yeah i i'm surprised you didn't actually go through our messages on instagram because you and i share the account we you know taking in you know turns really to reply there and i did kind of have to say like hey hey any chance you might be able to do a matt dyson special edition for me and he, he came through with the goods okay so i haven't read those messages so after this podcast i'm going to go back and read through. i knew there was a stitch up because i thought this this just smells like ben waterworth you know being up to no good i know you had a bit of time on your hands during that period so i'm thinking Ben's up to no good here. Cause it, it, I cracked up when I saw it. I thought this is a. I'm always up for a great stitch up. I love stitching people up. I love being stitched up. So it got me a good laugh. But just getting back to the the um, the first one he did up. Yeah. So he did the, the top six players. Obviously, some people. Uh, there was one in particular wrote in saying well, Joel shouldn't be on there, and I agree. Like I think at the end of the day, you know, he wouldn't be on the front cover. So I suggested. I said, well. I would be good to have three Tapara, three Kadena. So obviously the the three Tapara were always going to be Shona, Rob, and Katie. I reckon they were just um, great players for Tapara. So and then I thought, well, who were the biggest players? And when I say biggest players, like who who got the most? You know, whether it be airtime, confessionals, all that, and, I th- and and just seemed to have impact in the game. And I think Sylvan was definitely one of them. Um, I think although you know they they showed him. 
being a bit sort of not being able to handle the situation. He he, he was good for the for the storyline. Obviously, Craig by far the you know the best competitor on Kadena, if not the whole you know up there in the whole game. And of course, David Haas and 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 I know he only who's out voted out third, but he was a big player. And then. We recently, I don't know if you've seen this, Ben, we recently got sent um, one of our, I think it's Survivor International or something. They they did up a confessional count for season one and season two. And if you look at David Haas's confessional average, it's up there with with Rob. You're, so you're that, preempting so, some of my housekeeping things here, Matt. You're right. Yeah, I do yeah, have that in so, front of me now. It it just shows you, Ben, that I'm not talking shit here. You're not. I was right, and I never knew that. I had no idea the confessional count, but it proved to me as soon as I saw that it wasn't just me. He was a massive player. I don't care if you get voted out third. He was massive. We we will go over some very interesting stats over this confessional count because it it it. I'm I'm upset in a way that we didn't have this throughout the entire season because I know back in the Survivor Oz days when we used to do a lot of um coverages through the Oz caps and the the commentaries that we did that these came in very handy to kind of really paint a picture around the editing of certain players, certain contestants. And this, particularly the season one one, I haven't really started the season two one yet, but um, it's it's very interesting. And we'll, we'll talk about people like David and that coming up with that as well. And we'll, we'll talk about them and uh, who sent that in there. But yeah, the, the DVD cover, the first one that was, was done uh, for season one. So you, you kind of really just have your top six. So it's, you know, it's Rob Shona, Joel, uh, Katie, uh, Sophie and Jane. And again, no disrespect to to Jane and to Sophie, but I, I don't think they would make the cover. Joel, look, Joel probably would have pre-2010. I would say that he would. But if this was released in retrospect after 2010 and after the incident, he wouldn't be on the cover. Uh, it's no different to Survivor Philippines. In hindsight now, they're never going to put Scoopin' on the front cover, but at the time, they're going to put Scoopin' on the front cover. Uh, so the one that was kind of redone, um, you know, Joel, Sophie, and Jane were taken off, and David, uh, Sylvan, and Craig. Craig would definitely be on that cover, no matter what, hands down. Um, and, yeah, you would kind of... I, I still think Joel would be pre-2010, and then that extra slot would go to Sylvan or David based on characters. Although I would say Naomi might be a chance as well just to kind of, you know, keep it around the Craig situation. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I chose those three from Kadena. If you were choosing, what three would you have on the cover from Kadena? From Kadena, uh, Craig. Um, I mean, look... Personality-wise, David, because you've sold me on, on, on David, of course, and Sylvan, because the man's amazing. But, like, if I was being serious, um, it would probably be Naomi, Craig, and I would probably just say Karen just because she made the merge. Like, again, it, it, it is a very tricky one because I, I don't think that, in hindsight, David and Sylvan were big characters at the time. We're kind of really selling them as that. I just don't think at the time they were appreciated as characters. But, again... Hindsight, if this was done after 2010 and maybe this had been a season that had stuck in people's minds, David and Sylvan would be fan-favourite characters that would be beloved today. And, and you're right, and I agree with that, but you're saying David wasn't big at the time, but then but then you look at the confessional count for yeah. the three episodes he was in, and it proves my point. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, so, yeah, every every chance of that, I think, as well. Um, and, again, if people haven't checked that out, check them out on our social media pages. They, they look fantastic, and they really do suit that. And, you know, we, we put also the ones up for Seasons 3, 4, 5, and 6, as well, the Channel 10 versions. They look fantastic. 
as does the Matt Dyson uh, special edition as well, I have to say. Uh, and some other things too, just quickly before we get into this episode, because again, it's been a little over a month since we, you've heard from us. Uh, obviously, I had a fantastic uh, meetup with Katie Gold when I was in Melbourne with Cable. If you haven't seen the video interview that I did with Katie, it, it's a fun chat. Katie, really just such a fantastic person. I mean, this is what taken me now uh, 11 minutes before we mentioned Katie. So there you go. I've, I've pulled a mat and, you know, I had to mention my fanboy moment, but such a, such an honour to meet her in person and such a great person and really looking forward to getting her on the show in several weeks and she's very much looking forward to coming on the show as well. And also, again, probably a few people are going to be asking us the questions uh, where's an interview with Karen because generally we go boot episode interview, boot episode interview. Uh, still hopefully something that we will have lined up in the future at the moment, but uh, we decided we're going to get on with these, these episodes because... You know, we could we could wait around forever because we do want to bring you these interviews. But, you know, people like Jeff, who we haven't had on, of course, or Karen, we're still working on it. And hopefully one day they'll come on the show. Just might be a little bit out of order to how we like to do it. But, Matt, this is how we've always going to plan it. If in three years' time we all of a sudden get an interview with Ben the Marine or whoever that guy is, um, I mean, it would be the shortest, most boring interview in the world. But, hey, cool, I wouldn't say no. Just quickly, I'm going to jump in there too. Two, two, two of the interviews I really want to get, Ben the Marine, because I want to find out what the hell he was even doing on Celebrity Survivor. <laughs> so as much as you sort of say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. To me, like, I want that interview. I, I can't, I don't, I cannot track that guy down. No, I don't even know if he exists, honestly. Like, it's probably an alias name he used because <laughs> it's like he doesn't exist. Uh, and Ben Dark. So we, we still haven't, no luck with Ben Dark. But the two Bens, they're the two biggest interviews we can get, I reckon. It's it's an enigma. The name Ben is an enigma. Like, what can I say? <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it happens. That's how it is. Uh, you know, your name Ben, you're awesome. And it's 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 an enigma. But uh, we, we I, just, I will say too, though, that like everybody in this whole break that we've sort of been around, you know, we've, we've sort of been a bit sporadic with our posts. We realise we haven't been doing the daily ones. Uh, things like birthday posts kind of have, have slipped away. But we're going to slowly get back into them. We, we want to keep up the content uh providing you guys with some great fun things to look at uh you know we've had some great feedback uh still in the break our buffs obviously are still available out there for people who haven't picked up we've still got a couple left uh we love the photos that are being sent in uh, of people wearing the buffs uh laura Chung wearing her buff we've got a former contestant uh wearing it as well looking fantastic so um again we, we realize it's been a, about a month but we, we still love you guys and you guys still love us so you know love sharing caring that's all it's about, right? And it's given us a chance to uh, fine-tune our pipes, Ben, and uh, <laughs> get back into this. Because, we are, I mean, we're on the run home now, aren't we? We're, we're at Merge, um, and a lot does happen. I mean, a lot happens in these in this final run home because, let's be honest, it gets to where Tapara start having a turn on people, and I'm sure we all know what happens, so uh, that's going to make for some great talking points. And we're more than halfway, obviously, at this point. We sort of discussed that in our last uh, recap episode. And I think what sells this as a good episode, because I think on paper this isn't, you know, an outstanding episode when it comes to characters and kind of things like that. But this is, again, one of those episodes that I think in hindsight... I'm using that word a lot this episode. Maybe I've learned that word in the last five weeks. I don't know. Um... This is, again, one of these episodes that I think that any person who has been negative towards this season and has said, this season had no strategy, it was all about mateship, it was boring. Again, I've been one of those people in the past. I'm not claiming complete innocence on that. 
this is one of those episodes you need to watch it to really have it sway your mind because this episode, what is this episode filled with, Matt? This whole episode is filled with strategy. This whole episode is filled with modern tropes of Survivor that we're all used to. It's just edited a little bit differently so it doesn't feel as flashy and as same as you do. But even when we get to the end of this episode with Naomi, who is all but gone, she's not just sitting down and taking it, is she? She's trying what she can. There's And there's also a great, just on the editing, there is still kind of a great bit of tension going into Tribal Council where... There's a possibility here that maybe it isn't Naomi, and this is, again, what we get. There's a bit of a red herring thrown in your way. So I think this episode, for for an old-school episode of Survivor, has, has got a lot going for it that modern Survivor fans would appreciate. This episode starts on day 22 and covers the, the, the next couple of days after that. And I think, you know, around day 24, if you have a, a contestant saying, oh, I don't think there's any... Uh, um, you know, people getting together, there's no alliances and all that, you're going to be thinking, what? Like, this is, we're three weeks, we're over three weeks into the game, how could you be so dumb? But, and and I guess that's where people get that whole mateship from, but you also got to realise, and I really realised that after this episode, and this is why I really like this episode, there's only a couple of people actually saying that. The rest of them are getting their alliance together. They've already got an alliance. They're trying to pick out who's going to go, you know, who's going to be the bottom of their alliance and who's going to go next and how are they going to get. So there's a lot of alliance talk and building going on. There's only like two or three people that actually don't realize that's happening, which which makes me think now that actually shows you how brilliant people like Shona, Katie and Rob were and Sophie. I'll give Sophie was in it as well because you have to be pretty pretty bloody good to convince humans, other people after three weeks, that there's no alliance going on. So if you stop and actually think about it, that's actually quite brilliant. These people do have an alliance and they've managed to convince a couple of their tribe mates that it is not going on. That's brilliant. Agree. Completely agree. And I think there's even one moment in this episode with everybody's least favourite person in the world at this point, Jane, where you're almost kind of even thinking to yourself, well, hang on a minute, Jane's actually got a strategy here. You know, there's kind of, there's a few things going. And this is, though, I think the real start of the, oh, bless your little heart, Lance. You really had no clue, did you? Like, there's there's a fantastic moment between him and Craig in this episode that when we get Lance on in a few weeks, I just, I just feel like, you know, maybe 18 years later, Lance, but come on, we can't let you get away with that. Um, but you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And again, I think that, this really, we've said it all along that this season heats up into such a pressure cooker. And again, we are the biggest broken down record. You've missed us doing this for the, uh, over the last five weeks, but just just watch this season and, and see what this season is, you know, for what it is. And there's, there's little moments that you will have that, again, you would argue are ahead of their time, but I wouldn't even say ahead of their time. It's it's in that pure development of Survivor. We were getting this in the Australian Outback and Africa at this time in the US version. So it's, again, I feel this just gets forgotten about. And this is, this is where it is such a shame that this season is so overlooked because, again, this isn't purely just mateship and this isn't purely just nothing's happening. Yeah, no, you don't even hear mateship in it, to be honest. I think that's just something that... Uh ended up getting sort of it got tagged with because there was a few players that um that didn't know what was going on but like i said to you before ben i think that just comes down to how brilliant some of the 
characters and or some of the contestants were on this season. Should mention this episode is called uh, Pick Off. It uh, it did air on the third of April two thousand and two. I always like to kind of you know do a bit of a time capsule there just to relay when this was aired and you know the name of the episode because this is the only season of Australian Survivor that has every episode named. Uh, season three, uh, the first four or five at least were named, at least on the official list that I'm looking at. They might have all been named, but uh, at least on this list that I look at, basically after episode five, they're just referring to episode six, episode seven. But, uh, you know, Whaler's Way has all their episodes named, so I don't know if we've ever really pointed that out. But, um, I mean... <laughs> Does this not give you some Africa vibes at the beginning here with Rob? Like, this is kind of a bit of a Lex situation uh, where, you know, we start this episode off with Rob a little bit concerned that he got a vote. Uh, And I also love the fact that, you know, he has this conversation with Lance Basically, like you know, yeah, well, I got a, I, you know, I got a vote. You know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. And Lance is like, well, you didn't get two. And then Rob basically is like, <laughs> Rob's like, yeah, but you didn't have an exclamation mark after yours. <laughs> um, it's probably the second best line of this episode, and the the best line comes later on, which uh, I know we're going to cover. But, but yeah, Rob, this is what I love. And you're right, it's got Lex all over it from, from season three Africa in the US. Uh, Rob's pissed, like he is pissed off that he's got a vote. Craig, you know, Craig's loving it. Like he's sitting there in his confessionals talking about how he's he's trying to write like a girl to 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 so people don't know he's the one writing it. He's loving it. Like Craig is stirring the pot. Here, poor old Rob is thinking like, you know, he's he's the king. No one would dare vote for the king. And uh, and then he, he he's bitching to Shona. And then he looks over at Lance and he, yeah, he says, "Well, you, did you get an explanation, uh, Mark?" And he's like. Rob, no, but I got two votes. Like, it's just, it's brilliant. I, it, it's a great line to start off the, the episode. And I love this rivalry that, like, it's such an interesting rivalry between Rob and Craig because it, it's not, it's not like a, you know, a, a Bobby, John, Jamie, uh, you know, rivalry from Guatemala where they're literally in their face and yelling at each other. It's kind of a very subtle one. You know, we had this in the last episode from Rob, you know, baiting Craig, you know, saying like, oh, you know, you could win everything, Craig. Oh, you won every leg, Craig. Like, you know, oh, you're pretty good, Craig. And now it's kind of bordering down here to, to Rob basically saying like, you know, Craig's a, a huge threat here. And, you know, kind of really pointing that out. And you're right, the Craig stuff here. Again, Craig just just building up to just being such an amazing player. He's loving it. He's loving this whole situation when he's basically there going like, oh, Rob's pissed off and, oh, I was going to change my writing up. But at the end, I didn't really care. Like, you know, I just end up putting the exclamation mark and all this kind of stuff. And, oh, he's he's absolutely loving it. And what was his line there when he says like, you know, oh, we're all going to have a beer on the outside here. But, you know, at the moment, who gives a shit, basically? It's in a confessional. So he's saying it to the camera. But it's just after he's talked about how he gets enjoyed seeing how people handle votes. And it's, it's this great line. And he says, and, he, and he's saying it to Rob, but it's in a confessional. So, so obviously Rob's not hearing it. He's like, we'll all have a beer on the outside. No one hates you, Rob. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, it's a great line the way he says it. Like, he knows Rob's furious. And he's like, he's basically saying, like, get over it, mate. You've got to vote. You're not going anywhere. Like, I can... You know, just handle it. And this is what I think this episode does well. It's it's showcasing a level of friendship and this dreaded mateship. That's a word we really should have blacklisted on this show, Matt. But, you know, whatever. We've used it. Um, but, 
you've still got this cutthroat nature. Like, Craig is loving this. Craig is, is having a blast stirring the pot and going out and basically doing what he can to, to stir shit up. And let's be honest, it's going to work. Next week, we're going to see a whole lot more of this in the next episode. But, like... He's loving this. Rob's getting a bit stirred up with this. We're going to see this, you know, moving forward with other players in this episode as well. Like, Joel here is essentially kind of like, you know, questioning a few things here. You know, he's like, oh, I thought there would be more. But, you know, I don't think there's anything going on here. Obviously, we're going to get that with beloved little Lancey in this episode, you know, (laughs) thinking that everything is going okay. But even then, it's kind of causing them to question uh, other people within the Tapara Alliance. You've got Shona here for the first time kind of saying, oh, I'm kind of made a connection with Craig, so I've said I'm not going to vote for him. And that's going to play a huge part into this from next week's episode. You've got them sort of questioning Jane, like, Jane does nothing, Jane's still useless, Jane's pathetic, Jane's the worst human on the planet, Jane probably was patient zero for coronavirus. I mean, you name all the worst things in the world. I'm sure Jane did it, because that's basically what everyone's saying here. Uh, So, again, you've got these layers here that things are kind of being showcased in this episode. I do love the Shona. She's clearly just done with Jane. I don't think it's, it's not her personality. Shona's a worker, you know, that she'll get up and she'll do the the dirty work. She'll do the chores, do all that stuff. Jane doesn't do that. And you can tell that that irritates Shona and she's done. She says it. She, she, she basically wants Jane gone. Like she just knows she can't carry fish. She, she basically just can't do what everyone else does. And then Katie has a brilliant line where she goes, Jane's a nice girl, but she just sits around looking pretty. I think because Katie's a worker as well, and Katie's a doer, and and, and so is Shona. So I think that's why Shona and Katie go far together because surprisingly, like I wouldn't have thought at the start of this season that those two would have got along, but I think they share the same work ethic where Jane, I mean, nice girl, she's not in that league of that, you know, she's 18, still living at home, you know, She's not like those other two girls. I do really like the line, though, from Jane, though, where they kind of intersect it, and she has that confessional where she's like, it's actually a strategy to sit back and observe, and that's my strategy. And I think that's important that we see that from Jane because, again... I'm sure the editors loved having this whole sequence of Jane's useless, Jane's, you know, woeful, Jane can't do shit. And it's not. this isn't the first time we're hearing this, you know. Karen hated Jane. Everyone hates Jane. But they could have just had fun with that and just painted Jane out to be absolutely dog shit useless. Boom, she gets voted out. Thanks, Jane. You know, here's your check. Come to the reunion. Have some packet of lays. But they, they have, like, this sequence here where they actually show her saying that. And that fascinates me that they kind of have this because you never really see a whole lot more of this with Jane. But I think it's important for her as a player to have that. That might just have been a line that was baited into her by a producer, but there could also be a whole lot more into this. And Jane's one of these ones that I really do hope we end up getting an interview with because I am going to be fascinated to hear just you know, was Jane playing this way or was it a bit of naivety because she was 18, she's used to living at home and mix it up there. But I, I still think this is an important line that we hear Jane say that. And it's important for us to to talk about it as well because you're right, like Jane couldn't have played like Shona. She couldn't have played like Katie. She's not, the, she's not like that. She's different personality, different upbringing, like just different person. So you're right, for her to go a long way in the game, she did have to play under the radar and she played it well. You've got to give her credit. Every Ben, we've seen hundreds of contestants over the years play 
the exact same way as Jane has. Some have won. So you can't... Yeah, she was in a tough group and a hardened group, and she got a long way. I know, yes, she didn't have to go to tribal all that often, especially in the early stages of the game, but she stayed under the radar and you know she lasted a long time, so all credit to her. She reminds me a lot of Amber from Australian Outback, and look what yep. happened to Amber on the next season she went on. Jane, Jane is somebody who could win this game on a second try, you know? Uh, it's, yep, absolutely. And with a bit more age on her shoulders, you know, 18 is ridiculously young to play Survivor in 2001. Like, it's all well and good that we've had 18-year-olds play in the US version of Survivor now, but that came after, you know, multiple years. What do we have? Spencer in Token Teens was, I think, the first 18-year-old to play. And that's 18 seasons in. So you've had 17 previous seasons to watch this game develop. At this point, all Jane had seen was two versions of the US version, and she's 18 years old. This game is still so much more about survival at this point. It's not all about the strategy. So I think that, like, she needs to have that credit on some aspect put onto her shoulders that she can have this line. I'm not here trying to say Jane is the queen of Australian Survivor, this underrated gem who is fantastic. She played, a, you know, a, a basic game. She She got, what, sixth? And she still managed to survive basically two Tapara vote outs when she could have very much been voted out when Jeff got voted out. So she still was able to stick around a little bit longer. But again, I uh, defend Jane episode all of a sudden, you know, because this one <laughs> confessional from her has really put something in this for me. I'm like, Jane, yeah, you know, it's not just all about your chest size, which we'll get to at some point in this episode. You've got yeah. something going for you. We know we've got the David Haas fan club. I'm starting to think you're going to start the, uh, the, the Jane Dalton fan club. Uh, now, Ben, I can't remember. When I was watching this episode, like you said, we haven't done a podcast in five weeks. This was probably, you mentioned this probably a couple of months ago, but there was another great shot of the lizard again. I remember you named the lizard and I couldn't remember, but it's a great, they're walking Leslie? off. And it, and, it, and it like hisses at all of them as it's walking. I was like, what did Ben name it? I think it was Leslie because I wanted to not assume it's gender, and I thought Leslie was a could be both male or female. So all right, I'm, all right, we'll we'll stick with Leslie. I I can't remember if that was what you uh, maybe if not it's it's middle middle name. Who knows? But we'll we'll stick with Leslie. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Leslie. Um, and if not, well, you know we've got probably more dedicated listeners who go through that and tell me what it was before we uh, like obviously get to about to get to the reward challenge. I mean, some other things here kind of. Um, you know, Katie's bringing up the alliance again, sort of this four and sort of mentioning Sophie would be the first to go in that alliance. And I do kind of like this intersection here where Katie's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, and then it's going to be Shona, Rob and I, and yeah, it's going to be Rob and I going to the end. And then kind of you get to Rob and Rob's just like, yeah, no, I want to take Shona to the end because she's my best <laughs> chance to go up against and win. And again, the brilliance of Rob. This is Rob just working things out. And again, Katie's brilliant here too, but like Rob's obviously a little bit more level-headed with this. And it's important, obviously, you mentioned before that we got this confessional count sent to us, um, which, again, we really do thank um, the person who did send it to us, uh, Asher Smith. Thank you, Asher. I, do, I wanted to get your name up here to make sure that I, I had it to mention on the air. So thank you very much, Asher, for sending these. Because this episode, when it comes to confessional counts, Rob just goes zoom and skyrockets the hell out of this one. Uh, prior to this episode, the most he had had in one episode was five back in episode two. He has nine confessionals in this episode, which is the second highest all season. Uh, he will get 10 in episode 12. But, 
yeah, Rob gets a lot of airtime this week. We've talked a lot in the last few weeks how kind of Rob's been a little bit silent, but Rob's got everything this episode. He's got strategy here. He's obviously laying out his groundwork. He's got, you know, oh, I'm a bit angry. He's got his rivalry. Got a bit of comedy coming on later on. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And I also do love this thing, just before we get into the reward challenge, where Rob really is laying it out here. He's basically sort of talking about Lance and sort of saying, like, you know, Lance is playing a team game. Lance is in it going deep. And he's basically then just saying, like, look, you know, at the end of the, the, the day, though, Lance doesn't have what it takes. I'm playing a game. I'm all going to be mates of these people. It's just like playing cheat, which is a great car game. I love playing cheat. Uh, and he says, but this difference is we're not playing for matches we're playing for five hundred thousand dollars instead so again another confessional which sells rob as just the brilliance of rob dixon and, and talking about the brilliance of rob dixon when he's talking to katie or katie's really talking to him to be honest they're walking along and it's just those two and when katie, katie's always we know katie's always going over the game plan and she's always doing it with rob because that's her right hand man but what I love about Rob, and I, I know I've mentioned this before in a previous podcast, that when Katie's talking to him and telling him, he he just he he can say you can see that he's listening, he's acknowledging her, and he agrees, even though he knows that he does not want to go to the end with Katie, and, and that's that's a lesson to anyone that's in the future will play the game. Like if he's like, oh well, no, we'll see, we'll see what happens. No, 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 because he knows Katie is all in here. She's all in. The worst thing he could do is question her tactics so he does it so so casually and i love it like it's just you know you, you almost katie wouldn't have even been questioning him at that stage about his loyalty she would have thought he's locked in because he, he almost acts a little dumb in the way like oh yeah yeah you know oh, okay yep that's great great and even though and then look we see the very next confessional rob's like ah that's not going to happen you know i'm going with shona that's what's brewing. One thing, and I, I want to get your opinion on this. Are you surprised with Shona at this point that she's only been with Craig in the camp for a couple of days and she's already saying, she's already told Craig that she will not vote for him. They've, I mean, she's been with these other people for 20 days. She's been with Craig for like a couple and she's already made that decision not to vote for Craig. Do you find that a bit strange? Um not really, because Shona is the type of person that I could see easily doing this. Like, Shona, like, yeah, she's loyal to, to Rob and her alliance, but I also feel that Shona plays on judgment of character more so than, you know, sticking strong to a tribal alliance. So I, I definitely think she's going to respect someone like Craig Moore, who's a lot more hardworking, who kind of, you know, is probably gets on a lot better with Shona and probably matches more Shona's personality type more so than a Jane. You know, I, I, I easily think that she, like, had Craig won immunity third time in a row, I for sure would have easily seen, you know, I mean, obviously somebody from Tapara would have had to go. Clearly, I understand that. But I, I maybe see Jane at that point going ahead of Lance at that point, you know, because I, I think that that's easily what it comes down to with Shona. She's just, she she reads people and makes an opinion quickly. It's kind of Joel. Joel's very similar to that too. We're going to see that with Joel in this episode. Joel's a little bit more manipulatable. But Shona, her personality, she's locked in. So, yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, you're right. I don't think she ever told ever told Jane that she wasn't going to vote for her, that's for sure. Um, I think it's important we cover off before they get to the reward challenge that, yeah, Joel and Lance's confessionals. Because like I said, I I mentioned before, there were a couple of players that were oblivious to the fact that um, there was alliances going on. Obviously, Joel and Lance are those two two players. Um, 
you know, Joel mentions in his confessional that he expected a lot more backstabbing and alliance forming. And he even says, maybe that's all happening and I don't know. Lance, he talks about being, in his opinion, it's like a, it's a team game in the early stages, you know, and then after that, he wants to form with two other people to have a, to have a, a final three, and that's how he's going to get to the end. So obviously, we've just hit the merge now. So he's thinking at the moment that it was all a team game and no one was forming alliances, and now it will start happening. Little does he know, well, that's happened weeks ago. So I think it is important to cover off on that because, once again, I think that's brilliant from the rest of the tribe that they've managed to keep it from him all that time. I, I completely agree, and I think that's a, a definitely an underrated aspect of, of this season. And, and look, we can joke and sort of make fun of Lance all we want in this episode and the episode, subsequent episodes, but Lance is the first to admit that, you know, Rob and that completely outplayed him, and, they, and that, you know, Lance is maybe the nicest Australian Survivor player that we've ever had, ever, in, you know, in all of the seasons. But he just is a genuine nice person and a genuine guy who you can understand probably why he doesn't want to believe that things like this are going behind his back. And, I mean, he... I feel that Lance probably would be a lot more suited to modern Survivor, weirdly, than old school Survivor here. Because, I mean, Lance is kind of almost like a Tarzan or a Lee. You know, he's just, he's so goddamn nice and loyal that no one's touching them and basically would be taken right to the end because they're not a threat. They're just, they're going to be loyal to you no matter what. Um, and it's weird to say that. It's it's often weird to think that Lance would be more suited to a modern format because you would think, well, it's a lot more loyal back in, in the old school Survivor. But here, clearly, I think that Rob and all that are, are so aware that he's not a threat in the slightest and he's just basically a puppet and a toy for them to just get rid of whenever they want to. And spoiler alert, they're going to in two episodes. <laughs> no, I completely agree. And I, I like your comparison with, with Tarzan and Lee. I, I think you're right. I think if I, I, I think if Lance plays, if he had got to play a game, Modern Day Survivor, he'd probably laugh like Tarzan, you know, in, in the late 40-odd days, you know, because they wouldn't take him out early, you know, especially, um, especially if he was playing at the age he is now. Uh, sorry, the age he was at the time when he played uh, the, his original season. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I think – I don't know if a Lance could ever win, but you're right. He's a genuine nice guy. You can see that. Rob even mentions it in his confessionals. And um, he's just one of those players that would probably, the, you know, if he played ten times, you know, probably nine times out of ten he, he gets, you know, to the jury. 100% agree. And uh, hello to Lance. I, I know that uh, Lance likes to listen to our show. So, uh, you know, Lance, a uh, special shout out to you. We're looking forward to chatting to you in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Just before we get to the reward challenge, just bring up these confessionals that we've had obviously sent in to us. And it's very interesting looking at these. And if people don't know what we're talking about when we say a confessional count, basically it's, it's legitimately a table, which a lot of people have been doing on the US version for a very long time. And you keep track of how many confessionals a player has per episode and that might seem like a pointless exercise but it is actually quite interesting particularly when it gets to the end of a season and you can kind of look at you know the winners edit because there are a lot of US seasons where the winner really doesn't get a lot of screen time as you think they do compared to some other players classic case of that is Russell Hans got well over 100 confessionals I think he's only one of two or three players in the history of US Survivor to get more than 100, and Natalie White only got like about 20 or 30. So, you know, there's a clear-cut example of something like that. Um, But it's really interesting to look at kind of the picture of this where we are right now. Rob and Shona did not get a single confessional in the very first episode. Now, I'm pretty sure we mentioned that Rob didn't get any confessionals in the first episode. I'm not sure if we touched on Shona. And then you look at Rob's kind of 
airtime in his confessional counts up until episode 8. So he had 5 in episode 2, only 1 in episode 3, 4 in episode 4, only 1 in episode 5, 2 in episode 6, 4 in episode 7, and then boom, 9 in this episode. So kind of like he just comes out of nowhere with that and gets that. And Joel is another one to look at in this episode because coming into this episode, Joel went 1, 2, 0, 2, 2, 0, 0, and now he's on 4. And then you look at, let's go on the flip side to Naomi, an Abood episode, and generally in Abood episodes you will get more. Naomi only gets one confessional this episode, yet in other episodes she's minimum of three in everything except for episode two. So Naomi's gotten a pretty strong edit up until this point, which I which I find incredibly fascinating because Naomi, I think, kind of has been one of these solid characters that maybe hasn't been fantastic, but I think Naomi is still a pretty memorable character, has a lot of fun moments. She bloody doesn't like the ship, we know that. And, of course, she's a Carlton supporter, so she's a smart lady. So it surprises me that she doesn't have more in this episode. What did Craig get? Because this is a big episode for Craig, so I'd imagine he would have got a fair few. Craig got five, uh, but yeah. uh, Craig will get a shit ton next week. Um, but Craig, none in the first episode. Then he goes two, three, five, 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 six, five. And his last episode, he'll end up with nine. So, um, fascinating. And the one thing, too, that I'll point out, because you'll love this with your man, David. The other thing, too, that these show is the average confessionals that they have per episode. Your man, David, has the highest average all season. He averaged 6.67 confessionals an episode. 20 in total he got in only three episodes. Uh, Rob... 4.85 4.85 in second position. So your man, David, highest average percentage of confessionals per episode. And that is exactly why he needed to be on the front cover of the DVD, the cover for season one. And that's exactly why Channel 10 need to get him back to play again. And I, look, I don't have at hand the uh, Channel 10 confessional because I'm sure they're more widely available out there than these ones were. And again, we, we really do have to um, to, to thank uh, Asher for sending these in to us because uh, they, they I sort of had a brief conversation with them and they said that they, they went back and they watched it all and, and did this, basically. So, you know, it's not like this is something they've just dug up on the internet because I'm pretty sure I have seen this on the internet somewhere in the past, but uh, it's great that they're able to do this. But it's going to be interesting to go through some of these other confessionals as we go along. I mean, I don't want to sit here and spend an hour going through everything, but Lucinda, for example, she only had one confessional in her, her one episode. Yeah, I saw that. Tim, eight. Uh, Jeff had a total of nine. Deb, 22 confessionals. That's a pretty high rate for someone like Deb, and we talked up how good of a character Deb was. Sylvan, surprising, only 15. I thought he would have had more than that. 24 for Karen. Uh, she actually ends up with one more than Naomi, who this episode will go with 23. Um, and then the only other low ones that we'll end up having are Lance and Jane, but we'll obviously cover those ones up in the coming weeks. But uh, fascinating to look at these numbers. And I think it's important just to remind, just in case we've got any listeners that uh, haven't watched that first season, th- these are only the 42-minute episodes. They're not the long 90-minute friggin' Channel 10 episodes. These are These are a lot less time each episode so obviously it means a lot less confessionals as well and i do believe the algorithm or the kind of the way you count them like i think there has to be a certain time that a person is talking in a confessional so david's confessional that one time and he's like my vote tonight will be for Karen. like i I don't think technically that's a confessional that will count because it's like less than a certain amount of seconds i did have it explained to me but again i'm not sure if ash has used that math because the US ones that they do on the sort of 
the Survivor Sucks forums are pretty stringent on the, well, it's one confessional if what they say something and then they cut away, then they come back to them, things like that. Well, it's funny you say that because I was always told I had six confessionals in my episode and then I saw the new list and it had me, it was, I saw another list and it had me at five. Someone posted up recently, had a list of every contestant of the Channel 10 season and I was listed at five. So somewhere along the line, I've had one taken away from me, but I mean, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I don't, so I don't know how they work it out, but um, I always was told I had six, I'd seen six. Now it's back down to five. Before I know it, it'll be zero. Who knows? And I, and I really, I'd really like to actually <laughs> see those lists just because I think it's tricky to compare with the Channel Ten one. Because as you said before, like there's 90 minute episodes, there's 25 episodes a season. So like I'm sure that you know David ended up on All Stars with like 200 confessionals. But like you, you would obviously have to look at the averages, I think, because you know it's it's a little bit trickier comparing Rob and David's confessionals when, you know, David had double the episodes in, in double the time, basically. Hey, Ben, I think it's tree mail time. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I know that you have not lost your charms in the last five weeks, have you? you you've kept up your uh, your little job for me, haven't you? You know, this is my gig here. You know, I always read out the tree mail for uh, the reward challenge and the immunity on, Matt, challenge. Matt, so Matt, I'm going to start Challenge off. mail. We're in season one now. Come ah. on. Okay, challenge mail. I have to get you. I know, I always write them tree mail. But I I missed this, and I've said this before as well. I miss this about the modern-day survivor. I really wish they would still do this and uh, and read it out. But um, anyway, this is, so this is read by Lance. Lance is the one that goes to challenge mail and reads it out. So I'll read it. Think of your life, the good and the bad, and make up stories about the time you've had. True or false, it doesn't matter. In one statement... Tell your patter. The tribe will decide what's wrong or right, trick the most, and win a luxury night. Good job. I, I felt like you were very Lance there. Um, I have to say this episode has great challenges. And again, I want to just, I want to say those words uh, when I can, because, you know, we're not that far away from, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this, I love this challenge. I, I weirdly love this challenge. This is kind of on the same page of the the one in the US, which I really wish they would bring back when they do the whole, like, if you were stranded on a desert island, you know, who would be the most likely to save you? And you, you know those sort of ones and they kind of throw people under the buff, the buses? That could be the buffs as well. But this is such a fun challenge. Essentially, it's a person standing in front of the group telling a story and you've got to guess whether or not it's true or false. I mean, it's so freaking simple and it's so freaking amazing because these people come up with some great stories. I'm glad you're saying this right now, Ben, because I'll be 100% honest here. I was worried, and I wasn't. I never. I wasn't going to talk to you about it before we actually press record. I was worried that this was going to be the episode you talk were talking about the worst challenge because I'm still not 100% sure. I'm sure when I watch it again, I'll know. But when I watch this episode again, I started to worry. I'm like, this could be it. This could be the one because I can see how people will either love it or hate it. There's a few things, and I'll talk about it now. There's a few things I'm worried about with this challenge. I would like to hope, and I'm sure they did, I, I just hope that each contestant first had to tell a producer what they were going to say and whether it was going to be true or false. Because if they didn't and then and then just told the story, they could watch where people go, whether they go to the true side or the false side, and then just say false or true, depending on how many people are at either one. Because the whole way you win this challenge is how many how many points you get from um, from getting people confused and, and picking the wrong you know the wrong answer. So 
I'm sure they did that. Otherwise, there could have been a flaw in this game, in, in this challenge. But what is Survivor about? It's about deceiving people. They're getting points for deceiving people in this challenge. The whole game of Survivor, yes, it was survival back then as well, but it is deceiving people. So these people have been living together for 22 days. I'm sure you know they've told a lot of stories. Now they've got to come up with a new story and try to deceive people, whether it's true or false. It is, it is actually quite great. It's very similar. What's that game where it's like two truths, one lie? Um, you know, kind of when you, you do one of those. And there's that one doing the rounds a little bit on social media, you know, because there's a new one every fucking day because of this lockdown where it's like um, the following 10 people I've met. Uh, sorry, nine of the 10 people I've met tell me which one I haven't met, you know, something like that. Um, but you're right. Like, it, this is a deception game. And I think this this perfectly sums that up. So, no, no. The I'll give you a hint. Episode 10 is the episode where we have the worst challenge maybe in the history of all of Survivor. Um, but, yeah, so you, I've written them down. I know you've written them down too, but um, I, I think you, 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 ca- you came up with a good little idea off air about this one, Matt, so I'll let you explain what you think we should do here when it comes to this challenge. Okay, so each contestant here, they have their chance to go up and, and tell their story to the rest of the group. So I'll tell it from each person's point of view, but saying it obviously from me. Uh, so Rob goes up and he tells a story that he was flying from Melbourne to Sydney, 4,000 feet over Albury, and he needed to, to piss, to do a number one, as he says. He opened the door, set the helicopter on its course, and peed. Now, so people have to walk over to a tree, and on one side there's true, one side there's, one side there's false. Okay, so I'll give everyone a chance to think about it. Now, the correct answer was false. He said he had a co-pilot with him when he did. So he actually did do it, but there was someone else flying the helicopter, which gets me. So I didn't know this. Rob flew helicopters. I I don't know if he did or not. Was that his? I mean, because I think he's a bit tricked. He's trickery here in the wording of this, because like it's actually yeah. it's it's one of these ones where you've really got to listen to the wording. So he's implying that he flew the helicopter, but then he said he had a, a co-pilot. So. Yeah, I don't know if he's implying that he but, was, like, co-piloting like he was helped flying, or maybe he had someone... I don't know. Well, it's, he said at the end, he said, no, it's false, I had a co-pilot. So, co-pilot means you, you co, you're doing it together. It's like, a, we co-host this podcast, you know? True. We both do it. So, um, Just don't pee on Albury. <laughs> not 4,000 feet above it, no. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it will actually be fascinating, hopefully down the track... Um, we can find out, uh, you know, if Rob was a was a qualified, um, you know, to to to, to do uh, drive a helicopter, but or fly a helicopter, I should say. But um, yeah, so he ended up getting four points. So he deceived um, because it's four about people. the deception. You you get the points if you basically have people saying the opposite of what you're doing. So he's obviously lying here, and it's false. So because he got four people thinking it was true, he gets four points, which again, it's, it's clever, because the, the thing that kind of throws me off here is that, and I won't say what, because I mean, again, we're trying to play along here for people who maybe haven't watched it, but um, I do love the fact that the basically the first, what, four or five answers here are all the same, and it's kind of, it's, it's similar to what we had in the tiebreaker question in episode one, where it's kind of like, mix the questions up, like mix the answers up a little bit, people. Ben, you just gave you just gave the answers away for the next five people. Oh well, I tried to save it and I didn't fucking do it. Uh, don't do it in order then. Do it. Do it. Change up the order, man. All, right. all right, all right. I will. I will. All right. 
I'll mix it up. So, Shona, she says, uh, so this is her story. So, south of San Francisco is NASA's AMS Research Center, where they have the Apollo Space Shuttle Simulator. She says she's one of only a handful of Australians who have ever flown in it. Is it true or is it false? Now, we all know she was a test pilot, um, so that would have weighed on people's minds, but the answer is false, and she deceived five people. I would have totally said true. I would, I would have believed that. So I was playing, when I was watching, even though, I, I mean, I watched this episode probably a couple of months ago. I rewatched it again uh, this morning, and I couldn't remember. I was like, and I actually said to myself, no, that's true, and I was wrong. Uh, let's go to Joel. Said, uh, in 1996, he was in the training squad for the Belmain Tigers. They don't exist anymore, of course, but uh, the Belmain Tigers. Now, give you a chance. It's either true or false. You have to pick. The answer is false. He tried out for them, but didn't make it. So he did try out, and he deceived five people. So he got five points. So at the moment, we have Shona and Joel in the lead at five points each. Rob is already out of it because he's only got four. We should mention the reward is a night away in a 1840s cottage with food and, and all the all the fun stuff there as well. And... A, a chat on the internet. Uh, ben, I trust me, I'm getting to all that. I'm going to do a full <laughs> review right. of where they stay. Sorry, so I got excited. Ben, <laughs> back up right now. You're cramping my style. Jeez. I've got it all covered. I don't like this snappy mat now that you're married. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You've changed in uh, five weeks. But, but you're right. They, 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 win, a, they win a night night uh, away in, in an old uh, place where there's uh, and they say it again there's always chocolates I love it he always Lincoln's always mentioned about the chocolates and he, I like how he says you get to surf the net it just shows you how old school this episode Where's is Where's Craig's about- excitement about the chocolate like like he, I just love the fact that they mention the word chocolate Craig should be there frothing at the mouth like going oh yeah you get the, the black forest and you put it in the microwave and ah but do you reckon kids, like, in, in two, what, we're in 2020 now, do you reckon kids say to their parents, oh, I'm going to go surf the net, mum? Do you reckon that's still, that line still, it, I don't think it's aged. Well, I think, no, you're right, because, like, let's be honest, we remember 2002 using the internet. This is basically, you know, dial-up days, like, get off the phone, mum, I've got to go on MSN tonight. But it, it, it essentially, you would have said that, but, like, now I think it's just it's just part of our lives. It's just, like, it's, it's literally on our phone. It's It's not even something that's... Back then, it was an event to go online. Oh, I'm going to go on the internet tonight. Whereas nowadays, it's like, oh, I'm not on the internet. Like, I mean, you and I right now are on the fucking internet talking. So, like, I mean, you yeah. know, what are we doing right now? <laughs> Absolutely. But it's good. It's good to be able to sit back and watch. And, yeah, just, I mean, it reminds you of the time. It reminds you about dial-up internet and how, oh, great, I get to get on the internet for and a And then night. you get disconnected when all of a sudden grandma's calling you bloody, like, man, I'm on MSN talking to a girl I like. Like, come on. Did you ever use MSN? Oh, uh, uh, I, I was late. I was a late comer to the internet. We never, we never had internet growing up. And uh, I mean, I didn't get my first phone till I was twenty five or twenty six. So Poor you know, man. That, that was like just over a decade ago. I was, I was really anti sort of uh, technology. I think I just, I just didn't need it. it was the last, I was a traveller. I just didn't need any of that well, stuff, that, you that know. Baffles, but, uh, that baffles me because you look so at home holding that radar gun on your episode of Survivor. Like, you look to know <laughs> technology so well, Matt. Like, uh, so you're comfortable, Matt, going, pull over the side of the road. I know what I'm doing with this gun. 
Well, let's move on here, Ben. <laughs> Senior Constable Matt Dyson. Stop this, this, this is, this is why that. you don't want to show us your audition tape. You don't bloody know how to work the VHS player. Like, oh, yeah, a thousand likes on Instagram and I'll do it. <sighs> like, shit, I needed to work out how to press play again. Shit. All right, let's get back to this game. So <laughs> next up, Sophie. So I've done these out of order, remember, but... Uh, well, I'm trying to... Uh, well, am I doing them out of order? The first couple mightn't have been, but uh, we'll see. So this is Sophie. So last, she's, her story says, Last year, she had the uh, embarrassing and unfortunate incident of being at home and coming out of the shower and being caught in the nude by a car salesman. I don't know if that was Brian Heidek or what, but... Uh, well, he's but, yeah, so she, was, nude. she got out of the shower and she was caught in a nude. So is it true or false? She managed to deceive five people because the answer was true. She got caught in a nude by a car salesman. Now, now, Matt, have you ever had a car salesman come to your house? I don't. I don't get this. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you have mentioned this because I had. I actually rewound it and was like, did she say car salesman? Yeah. Because that doesn't make sense. But. Uh, who knows, May this this car salesman was obviously short on sales and was going door to door. He was probably selling perv. Amway as well at the time. Who knows? Avon or Yeah, like I just that that that's where I would have gone false because it would have been the wording again. I would have heard the word car salesman, but then she would have been like, Oh, it's false. It was a Avon salesperson or it was a Mormon, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. is the bit that threw me. It's the car salesman's coming to your door. I don't understand that. Or what are the ones now? I've gone blank. What are the ones that come around? They want you to put the things on the roof for your the sun. Oh, bloody... solar panel pests. Solar panels, yeah. So thank they you. ring me. Uh, you got solar we, panels uh, on your roof? Shut we'll up. Get, we were getting one a week coming to my place. I tell you, they drive you crazy. But uh, but yeah, so these days, that's the story you'd tell. Probably a solar panel salesman or something. But apparently back then, used car salesman went door to door and good on him. He managed to sneak himself a bit of a look and... Uh, it ended up getting her five points because she deceived the uh, her her other tribe mates. But uh, let's move on to Naomi. So she said she studied ballet for nine years, and and uh, once before a rehearsal, she slipped on a bar and had to get stitches around her eye. Uh, she sorry, she had to get nine stitches, nine stitches around her right eye, and. Uh, she managed to deceive seven people because the answer is true. That really did happen. She got nine stitches after slipping on a bar during a, a rehearsal for ballet. Which... I'd like uh, to ask her about that. We will. Um, spoiler alert, she's going to win this challenge. And it's surprising that such a basic thing like that, like, you know, like that's something that I would have believed. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, true. And yet, like, she deceived... So many people. I, I that that makes it strange to me that she wins this. She does, and you've just ruined this challenge again. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm play a game here, Ben. But no, I think I think yeah. But she wins. I'll, I'll brush over the other ones. Uh, Lance says uh, I'll, I'll tell them all because they actually were pretty good. So Lance says uh, one of the happiest and proudest moments um, that uh, in his life was when his beautiful daughter Michelle was born on the second of September, nineteen eighty-seven. The answer was true, and Same he age deceived as me. four people. Yeah. Oh, true. Wow. Well, okay. well, I'm six months uh, older than her, so. And I think just even Lance telling that story, I think that just shows you the type of guy Lance was. We, we, we've talked up, obviously, he was a very honest and uh, nice guy. And, you know, 
he had an opportunity here to deceive people, and he didn't. He took the opportunity to to obviously to tell people what his proudest moment was, and that was when uh, his daughter Michelle was born. So um, it does. It, it says a lot about uh, Lance. We go to Katie, who says, uh, I like this one with Katie. She says, uh, all through high school, university, parties and celebrations, and all through her life. She says, basically, her entire life, she's never been drunk. The answer was false, and she managed to deceive four people as well. Um, we'll go back. There's a couple of others here. Oh, Craig. Oh, oh Craig's is the best one. During his travels overseas, he was fortunate enough to meet Lady Diana. So I'm guessing that was Princess Diana. And uh, the answer was false. He deceived but, four people. Let's be Who guys, would ever believe that? I, I, look, I would have. I've traveled there multiple times. I've never seen... Yeah, well, obviously now you can't, but... Uh, but yeah, you know, what was the odds that you'd actually I, get to meet her? You know, like I've, I've actually, um, I did know someone who met her um, and they had a photo. They were like out somewhere and she was doing an appearance and they, they met her. Um, but the, the best thing that I love, like Craig, the reason why I think Craig's is the best is his reaction because he's kind of like, he looks at it and he's like, nah, it's false. Like he just, he's kind of like, he's, he's almost just like, you fucking clowns! Who would believe that? Like he's kind of like you, like like who would actually meet her? But yeah. I just love the way he's just like, nah, it's false. <laughs> so great. Uh, Jane's is a good one too. I actually like Jane. Uh, she goes, uh, when she was about six or seven years old, her mum made a walnut cake. She sprinkled walnuts on top. As she went to take a bite, a walnut went into the back of her nose, and she had to be taken to the doctors to get it out. And obviously it was true or false, and it was false, and she deceived four people. So it was an interesting game. Uh, obviously, in the end, Naomi won. She had uh, she deceived seven people, and like you said, I was actually surprised she managed with her story deceive seven people. But I think that's what's great about the game. It's it, your people are not only they're not also playing the story; they're they're playing the person. They're thinking, is this person going to try to deceive me? Um, you know. So it, it is an interesting game, and I think. One up on this challenge and also the the immunity challenge. And I will say, for the most part, challenges in this season. Um, they're generally even playing fields for the most part, whereas I think Modern Survivor struggles with that because, you know, they're so physical in Australian Survivor and even these endurance challenges are just a warped version of the same bloody thing. I understand we're kind of going to have an endurance challenge this episode, but it's, it's, it's a bit different than what, you know, put your feet on an awkward log and stand there for as long as you can. Like, holding something for a long period over a fire fits into everyone. Like, you know, that's going to, you know, open playing field for that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's different. And, like, again, we can go over the excuses on the budget uh, as much as we want. But let's be honest, even when it comes to episode 10 and I will talk about the worst challenge of all time, they at least tried something different. Like, it's again, it's still very early on challenges were still so vital. Like, I mean, we all remember watching Survivor for the first time. We're enthralled by challenges when they first started. Nowadays, I don't give a shit about challenges, I'll be completely honest. But but back then, like, these were, you know, you're hooked. And this is just something unique. And I, I think it, it just it keeps it open to every single person. And Naomi walks away with a reward. Good for her. Yeah, and that's one thing I, I like about this episode. I think both cha- – I really like the immunity challenge that we'll get to later on. But uh, I enjoyed this challenge. You're right, Naomi wins, and she gets, of course, to pick someone 
She picked Craig. Remember? Hey, this sorry, I just had to Remember. react like everyone else did at that moment. <laughs> hey. So you got to remember. It's important to remember. Craig and Naomi are the only original Kadena members that are left in, in, in the game at this stage, which is evident because remember, there's no, there's no Aurora buff, so they've still got their yellow or green, whichever way you look at it. Um, Kadena buffs on. So of course, you know, people could look at it and say, well, Naomi should have picked, you know, Rob, or she should have picked Shona or something like that. But I think at the end of the day, she's like, you know what? I've been in this game since day one with Craig. Her and Craig clearly had a, a close bond by this stage. And uh, good on her. She picked Craig and they get to go on their reward. And when it comes to the reward, Matthew Dyson, uh, I'd just like to quickly take this moment to thank our good friends at Intel for uh, this reward <laughs> because how good are our friends at Intel? Our friends at Intel are fantastic. They're almost as good as our friends at Lay's and our good friends at Solo and our good friends at Telstra. They're, they're, they're pretty bloody good friends, aren't they, at Intel? Uh, they're the best. We, we've, we've made some great friends during this podcast. And uh, are we sponsored by Intel today by any chance? We are now. So. We are now. Um, they don't even know it. But they're our good bloody friends at Intel. And 18 years later, they're, they're your best friend. Like, in, you're in <laughs> lockdown? Call your friends at Intel. Get them to give you a computer. <laughs> Bring over some Lay's chips. Drink your solo. Call up your friends on Telstra. As long get as you're... Cherry ripe. Get a cherry ripe. Cherry ripe! Cherry ripe! Get your Black Forest going on, that sort of stuff. Take a trip to Sylvan's Fantasy World on your Intel computer because they're our bloody good friends at Intel. Um, now, now ben, you didn't, did, you, did you get that? Did you get that at all? That our good Lincoln was talking about their good friends at Intel? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know if you. It was subtle. It was very subtle. Uh, it it was subtle, but yeah, it's it's brilliant. I, I love I love all the promotionals. I mean, we know the season was promoted hard, and they got a lot of endorsements and stuff. So uh, why not get Intel involved? Why not let them you know surf the net? But just just before, and I think it's important we cover off this before we get to them to Craig and Naomi getting to to share in the reward. Uh, after that reward challenge, they show. They show this massive storm brewing over Whaler's Way, and uh, it's actually really good cinematography. And uh, you see it's raining, and the rest of the tribe, they're eating fish from the bone, and they're getting wet. And it's great because it sums up what the rest, what the, well, the Tapara tribe, you know, are going through, while here the the last two Kadena members get to go on this fantastic reward. And even... Even um, when they when they walk into into the uh, now okay the reward is at the Mikara station. I'm going to read about what the Mikara station is, but basically they walk in. They Lincoln's there waiting for him, and uh, he even mentions he's like, "Oh, you picked the right night to uh, have this reward because he knows it's pissing down back at camp and everyone's this miserable." So before we get into them enjoying the the, the internet uh, by Intel and, and all friends that, at Intel the good <laughs> I think it's important I, I thought about this I'm like well let's find out where this reward was because this is what I miss in modern day survivor I love you know season three Africa is my favorite season because they they get to go to you know Wamba the hospital and the the, the little town and they get to do all this stuff and as you, they do that over, you know, in Palau, they got to go swim with the million jellyfish in the lake. You know, you don't see that in modern day survivor because let's be honest, they're, they're always at the same island and they can't do that anymore. So 
I thought, let's find out about this Micara station. So I'm going to read it. I don't, I'm assuming it's still there because the website still came up. So let's do a little bit of uh, advertising and promoting Port Lincoln for when the, the COVID-19 lockdown's finished. Everyone can head down to Micara station. So let me read and it. And book so, it with their good friends at Intel. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So Micara station is a tranquil, secluded, privately owned property with a locked gate and staff on site. Koalas, kangaroo, kangaroos, birds, emus, friendly roam among the big old manor gum trees. Reptiles, including many venomous snakes, live amongst the old stone walling and tiny rare orchids and other pretty native plants that can be seen. Then, then this is where they got to have the reward. It says, a restored ruined stone homestead, chimney stone walling, and the ruins of a sh uh, shepherd's huts remain as a reminder of the area's history as part of the large sheep station. Tours are, tours are available through the Port Lincoln Visitor Information Centre year-round. Get amongst it, listeners. Your next trip, let's get down to Micara Station, Port Lincoln, and do exactly what Naomi and Craig did all those years back in 2001. I'm just looking here online with our good thanks to our good friends at Intel. Uh, is it mikarakoalas.com? Is that the website? Uh, uh, I just got on. Is this visit, visit Port Lincoln? Oh, okay. Uh, See, I'm on yeah. the official website then, mikarakoalas.com. Uh, there yeah. you go. Uh, it's a wild koala colony. Uh, basically, there at the same time. Visit portlincoln.com. Hit that up too. I think that's a good idea. Um, it's a beautiful little place. Look, Matt, I'm telling you now, I mean, it's a little bit tricky now considering that, uh, A, we can't really travel and B, I'm living on the other side of the world. But I feel that if you and I do the eventual thing, which we would love to do one day and head out to, to Whaler's Way, do a bit of coverage out there. Let's stay at Micara Station. Let, let's, huh. let's have some steak. Let's, let's eat our chocolates. Let's jump on an Intel computer. You know, like, let's, let's bloody live it up. I'll be there, but I want Lincoln to come with us. And yes. when we walk in, that, that he's already in the hut. Yes. And we walk in. <laughs> we walk in, and there's the bottle. There's the the bowl in the middle of the table with the cherry ripes and a few other little assorted chocolates. <laughs> and I want the, the computer running with the Intel. Our good friends at Intel. I want it all reset. And I want and and he mentions about how it's got clean sheets and warm water and he's got the fire go and he's got the fire going outside of the, the hut too. You, it, there's a little shot of it. You got it. You could easily miss it. But I want if I'm coming and I'll come down. But I want Lincoln there to uh, to, to greet us upon entry. One thing I got to say though, I love you to death, Lincoln. But. It's when they enter the door, how it's kind of like he's still in host mode, like with our good friends, Intel, blah, blah, blah. Like, think about Jeff Probst, you know, hanging out with Colby in the car in Australian Outback, Jeff Probst on the boat with Dr. Sean. You know, Probst is just a little bit chilled, like with Kelly Wigglesworth in the bar, like a bit chilled, you chilled, Probst. Lincoln's still in complete host mode here. He's just kind of like, with our good friends, Intel, you have a computer, and guess what, Naomi? You get to keep it. But I'm I'm sure executive producer Stephen Peters pulled Lincoln aside and he said, "You promote the shit out of Intel because <laughs> our good friends need, Intel." Yes, he's like, "Remember, they're our good friends." I got no doubt that was probably the last thing he said to him before Craig and Naomi came. He said, "Remember, Intel, they're our great friends." I feel my impersonation of Lincoln has become very much like a you know a sale of the century. Like Lincoln's very much like. Hey guys, come on in. Like, you know, let's look at this and let's do that. You know, if it was Dico, we know he's like, hello guys, come on in. Play hard and play fair and bloody get our good friends intel.
I did laugh actually. Lincoln's already halfway through his speech, and and Craig's still stuffing around trying to close the door as well. <laughs> it was actually quite funny. I, I rewound it and watched it. And I was like, "What's Craig doing?" And he's like, "He's like, do I shut it hard? Do I not? Do I do?" It takes him forever to shut the bloody door, and by that stage, Lincoln's already halfway through his speech, and. Oh, it's, but in all seriousness, Ben, we are going to do a, a Port Lincoln trip one day. We are going to go out to Whalers Way. And, mate, we are going to go stay a night at uh, at uh, the Micara station for sure. I do one thing that um, I, I agree with you when, when it comes to sort of like this editing, this sequence here where you kind of have the intercutting between, um, you know, these two and also Tapara. And I, I love the way kind of you've got this thunderstorm. They're all huddled in this little boat thing, this little shelter. And I just I love kind of how that goes. And... I do appreciate Joel here putting rice in his pocket for a rainy day, to which is it Rob turns around and goes, it is a rainy day. He's like, oh, no, but I, like, I, I want it tomorrow, just like in case and stuff like that. But I, yeah, I do kind of like the cutting back and forth. It's always good when they do that. Um, but I think the thing that is kind of gelled over here is that Naomi and Craig are two young, attractive, you know, people, single at the time, and here they are spending a night together in romantic Micara Station. So I, I, I'm really kind of just wondering why they didn't play up to that just a little bit more. But, uh, I mean, it's still a nice little thing. They're eating their steak. Uh, you know, they've got their chockies on their bed. They're, they're getting excited for the pillows. And I do love how they kind of cut to an ad and with Craig basically going, I'm stuffed, and then they cut to an ad. <laughs> So, was there only one bed? Because I, I forgot to mention, Lincoln also did mention at the, at the start when Craig was messing around with the door, he says <laughs> it's one of the oldest properties in the Air Peninsula and it hasn't changed much since it was built in 1842. So, I'm guessing in 1842 they probably just had one bedroom because that's all they showed. So, And it had fresh sheets. Remember, he mentioned fresh sheets. So, I'm assuming they... They both got in the same bed, and we'll have to find out. I'm not sure, unless one of them stayed up all night on the on the Intel uh, computer, because <laughs> um, that was an option too. But and it took uh, a long time Craig... back then to to load websites, so you know, like yeah, getting a bit frisky looking up porn in 2002 is going to take a while to load. Craig gets caught yeah, looking up stuff he shouldn't have, but uh, but no, it um, <laughs> blackforestchocolatebabes black dot com. He probably was. He was probably looking up chocolate and working out, you know, wanting his block of family, block of chocolate. But uh, no, I, I think it was great. And I think it was great that those two got to go. I think it's, we, you know, we know Tapar is dominating everything. So to be actually able to see the last two Kadena members get to enjoy this reward. And it's a pretty cool reward. I mean, when you've been out there, that was harsh conditions, uh, a lot harsher than it is today uh, on, on modern day Survivor. So, you know, to be able to have a warm shower, a warm bed, we all know how freezing it, it was out there. Um, so to be able to have that and, and, you know, just get away from the game, get on the internet for a couple of hours, uh, enjoy. Uh, we see him enjoying an actual sit-down dinner with cutlery. I mean, that was a pretty big deal as well. I mean, they've been eating, you know, rice and, and beans or were they even eating beans? Who knows? But, you know, fish and just with their hands and, now they get to have an actual sit-down dinner with cutlery. So it's a pretty big reward. So I'm glad those two won it. And uh, you said before, I agree with you, kind of like it's 
different today. We don't get rewards like this really anymore. Um, even sort of when they get a night away, it's generally just at a makeshift set that they've made somewhere. Yes. Like you, you never yes. see them go off, whether it be the US or the Australian one. So I always like a reward like this. And one thing I'll say about the rewards this season, and I know kind of it's something that you've you've brought up in previous episodes and we'll continue to bring up, no doubt, in the coming weeks, is that we kind of lose a bit of relevance to rewards this season because really this is where that dreaded mateship does come in down the line that basically, um, you know, let's win a pizza. I'm just going to share it with everyone. Like, oh, I'm going to this. I'm just going to share it with everyone. This is kind of one of the last rewards where it's it's like there's no second guessing here for Naomi to take Craig, is there? <laughs> no, and you're right. And, and this is what they should have continued doing. Obviously, they're limited to how many places they can go. But I wish there was more of this going forward where they separate you know, two of the contestants or three and they get to have an overnighter or just a few hours. Unfortunately, later on, it's all just back at camp and they share the reward and I, I don't like that. And um, But, you know, that's what got me into Survivor as well. As you know, Ben, like, you know, when, with the, when Ethan and, uh, sorry, when Lex and Big Tom went on the reward challenge at Governor's Camp in the, in Season 3 Africa, I love that. I love that reward so much and the place... I actually went and did it myself. I, you know, flew to Kenya and I, I in Africa, and I, I did that reward. So that's what I like about the show. Like when you see these places, and hopefully we will get to do the the Mikura Station one day. That's what I like about it. Survivor. It incorporated that the, the outside the actual gameplay, but it, it incorporated what's going on around their surroundings, of where they're actually having the contest. So and people could then, you know, fans of the show could say, "Hey, I'm going to go stay there myself." So. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it's a shame they didn't keep this up in the later episodes. Australian Outback, Great Barrier Reef, and uh, to my um, my memory stuck with me when I eventually went to the Great Barrier Reef, I wanted to take some coral from the island <laughs> that I went to, but I'm thinking, don't do be, no. don't be Colby, don't be Colby. No, no. I'm remembering that bloody warning that was on my screen telling me that it was yeah. a federal offence. You will get fined and shot and hung up and kicked in the Shit. gut with a boot um that was the simpsons wasn't it whatever but it you know i was i was i was worried for my safety and i i thanked colby donaldson for breaking the law back in 2000 <laughs> when he did that but um again i just kind of say for the rest of this season now i'm just going to picture joel with squishy rice pockets i just i just I don't, I don't like it's just something going on there um now the, the version that we watched and uh if anybody's watching along with us on on youtube just got to point out the uh the ad Right here, uh, Matt. Uh, again, the competition's going on here. Our good friends at Intel. Our bloody good friends at Ford. You can win the brand new Ford Escape. You can win a trip to the finale with our friends thanks to Jet Set Travel as well. Or you can win a, basically a bunch of, of prizes here. Now, the prizes that you can win, there's the official guide, the book. There are buffs. There's a Australian Survivor t-shirt and a mug. Now, is that the mug that you ended up having that you broke? That's the mug that got uh, that got smashed. That's it. Every time I see it, it's, it annoys me. I had a pristine condition mug and it got smashed. Uh, Is that how you got been... it? Did you win it from this competition? No, no. Remember, no. I was a, a poker machine attendant, and that's right. They had the, I do they listen had to the, you. The Australian Survivor machine, so they had some promotional gear. So that's how I got the Tabara uh, buff, but and I got the uh, the mug. I never remembered seeing a shirt. So like at there, so maybe they didn't give us it. Uh, trust me, I would have taken a shirt straight away. Trust me, but uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, and that was a long ad, wasn't it? It was actually one of the because normally they don't show us the ads in in on YouTube. So, but that was a pretty long promotional ad at the time. So uh, they were they were bloody promoting it hard. And that's uh, it's a weird thing to say that I miss about 
this because like i mean again we we get it now reality tv is just a it's just a genre it's just a thing you're not going to have it promoted like this and obviously this was a big deal having australian survivor having a version of this so they were going to go out hard and promote the crap out of it so you were going to have amazing competitions like this you you know you were having um you know big tie-ins with companies our good friends at intel you know like all these kind of things like that going out there which you, you just sadly don't get today you know like you, you, you're not going to get uh, a trip to the finale anymore you, you, you're not going to get um you know our good friends at i don't know does intel even exist in 2020 probably um you know our good friends at, at hewlett packard or whatever it is so it's it's kind of not quite the same anymore but um we'll, we'll, I, if we haven't already we will post that ad on our social media so you can uh, see what we're talking about and I, I would still love to know. Did anyone actually end up winning the five hundred thousand dollars? I know oh, they we'll would have had to, never... surely. They, they, well, they... yeah, I, I guess. I, so. I don't think would... they would do a competition like this and not, you know, actually go through it. But I mean, like, look at the extent of the prizes you're winning. You can win a freaking Ford Escape, which is what, like a thirty, forty thousand dollar car. Then you got five hundred grand. Then a weekly prize of five grand. So there's what, like, twelve weeks of this show. So that's you know sixty grand that they're giving away. So. While the budget might not have been big, they got the sponsorship lined up for this show. So, you know, good good work for them. Not going to happen any, you know, sense of closeness to that, how you're going to get that today. But um, I think occasionally Lee Castledine's given away a Holden or something. I miss Lee Castledine's uh, Holden. Ads. Whatever happened to, to them? I, they uh, they, they were, were the best part of season four. Yeah, they are on... Uh... Brian Lake won that, didn't he? Brian Lake, I'm sure, won it. Did he? Yeah, no, he did. I or, think... or did he? Or did he? If he said he, if he was going to win it, he said he was going to give it to someone, and someone else won it. I can't remember. You think? Yeah, yeah. no, I, I can't say I remember either. But I, I remember that whole season, just loving Lee's ads every single yeah. bloody time they came across. And just a quick update: we still haven't found Sylvan's ad, the KFC ad. We, we, we've. We've spent the last five. That's what we've been doing for five weeks. We took five weeks off to find it. We bloody can't find his KFC ads. I know you've been looking hard. I've been looking hard. Chris Dixon, our good listener and friend, he's been looking hard. No one can find it. So uh, it's. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. It's probably you know he's probably promoting a bloody Zinger burger or something. But uh, you know, but or some wicked wings or something. But uh, if anyone finds it, we, we we'll give you a buff. It. If you find it, we- we'll give you a buff. Absolutely. Simple. Absolutely. That's that's what's going to happen. Now, um, some decent stuff here again. Like this whole episode around the challenges as we've kind of talked a lot about the, the strategy and things like that. I mean, we've still got, you know, a whole lot more sort of here between this and the and the immunity challenge. Um, I do quickly. I do love when Naomi and Craig return. That Naomi basically kisses everyone. Like I don't know if you really <laughs> noticed that. Like Naomi's given everyone a kiss. Uh, but this kind of is where we get Joel bringing up the whole situation where Craig in the last episode uh, came to him and sort of spilled the beans about what Katie was doing. Um, I do love his interaction with Rob here. The way, um, you know, Rob's basically going like, you know, well, it's not surprising. He's trying to save himself. And Joel's basically like, oh, yeah, but no, I, I trust him. He doesn't seem like the type of person that would do this. And Rob basically, you've known this guy for three days. <laughs> it's like, I no, love the guy- way he does that. <laughs> yeah, and it's important to, to mention too, this, so this is now day 23. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's all about, it's all about how... Craig is trying to ruffle feathers. He's 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 basically dobbing on Katie. You know, he's trying to convince Lance and Joel of what's going on. They really don't want to know, but then Joel does start questioning it, and then and then like the brilliance of Katie and Rob, they're like, you know, they're they're talking to him as if you know, no, that's not going on. Like, and and then Katie, 
this is this is the brilliance of Katie Guy. I mean, I don't need to sell how great this woman is at this game, but I'm going to try to sell it again because she's sitting around a fire. It's Katie, Rob, Joel, and Shona, and they're sitting around a camp, and uh, she knows that Joel's sort of questioning all this. That's what what Craig's saying. So then Katie comes up with this great story that basically that Craig has told Katie that Lance and Joel are in an alliance and that they're basically plotting against them. And it's brilliant. It's all bullshit. It's all lies. But she knows she she's basically trying to sell the story to Joel. Well, he might be telling you this, but guess what? He's telling the same thing about you and Lance to me, trying to get me against you. It's all bullshit. Never happened. But it's and then Joel, of course, is like, yeah, I can see. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, brilliant. And then she goes into this great confessional about how she's so deep in lies. She's either got to come clean or just keep lying. So of course we know she just keeps lying. Which let's let's look at today where we are in Survivor. We're, we've and fast forward the next three seconds if you haven't seen All Stars and you don't want to know how wins, who wins. Sorry, David Jeanette, Golden God one Australian Survivor All-Stars, and arguably now we have a conversation of who is the greatest player of Australian Survivor history. Is it David? Is it Rob Dixon? There's a future episode for us to go over. But of a lot of what sells David as a as a player is he's able to do things like this. He's able to, you know, kind of have himself an alliance and have a side alliance and have a thing over here, get somebody who he wants to work close. Like, he's, he's able to kind of get these people in and get them all on side and sway people and tell these stories and... Again, what Modern Survivor is kind of about now, it's developed into this, but David is just so good at this. But look, exactly as you described what Katie's doing here, Katie's able to turn this into a situation similar to what you're doing in Modern Survivor by kind of swaying it around like this. Now, again, different errors, and I'm not going to be disrespectful to Joel or Lance the way I say this. Lance and Joel are probably two of the easier people that you can spin a yarn like this to and they're going to believe you. Again, no disrespect to them. But it's still incredibly ahead of its time to be able to do something like this. And it's just, it's it's the layers of this season that never get credit. You know, you've got Katie doing stuff like this. You've got Rob doing his, you know, Rob father mentality of controlling and still being able to ma- manipulate without really getting his, you know, shit on his face. You've got Craig stirring the pot here. So this conversation is happening in the first place. Again, let's just point it out. People who argue this game is boring, there's no strategy, it's all about mateship. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Because what are we talking about right now? And this is why this is fantastic. That confessional from Katie, basically where she's going on about, like, you know, you've got the option of being truthful the whole game and sticking to it, lying the whole game and sticking to it. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm stuck in no man's land right now, but I'm going to keep going with it. And she's getting away with it. And she would have gotten away with it too, had it not been for a little conversation between Joel, Shona, and Rob in the coming episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if all remaining seven of the Tapara members had have been, I guess, like, you know, Joel and Lance, where they weren't aligning with anyone and it really was just like that, well, then, of course, you could sit back now and say, that was a shit season, mateship and all that. It was it was like two people, you know. Um, it was a couple of people that the rest of them were playing hard, really hard, like, Hard, harder than some of the newer seasons that's going on. So, um, yeah, you can't sit here. Yeah, just because a couple of people had been tricked by better players, and that's not disrespecting those players that got tricked. Everyone gets tricked in Survivor. Only the winner will guess the final two or three 
are the ones that make it to the end and then it's up to the jury. So everyone else does get tricked um, or they get outplayed. In the end, those other players got outplayed and and even in the end, Katie gets outplayed. So, um, yeah, you're right. It, it's it's actually... And I like the fact that it, they're, they're playing that hard that they are tricking a few players. It actually shows... You can actually sit back then and say, well, they were actually great players. You know, Katie, Shona, Rob, they... They were great players. And I would make the argument that the end of this season and what we're building up to is hands down a a entire length of the world ahead of what we got at the end of All-Stars because the one thing that we've talked a lot about this season is how there are definitely moments where you could tell if this was Modern Survivor, it would be edited differently. You're going to get a sound clip from one episode, this, that, and everything else. We know that they're very stringent on season one of sticking to chronological order and showing it how it played out rather than editing around it to tell a different narrative. That's not how they do it in Modern Survivor. But I think what really works with that is the build-up to this season to what we're ultimately going to get in the final episode and how amazing that is. You're not going to get that if you're manipulating edits and doing this and doing that all over here. So that's why I would say that this season, although, okay, on paper, it's a pagonging, it's kind of obvious what we've got for a couple of weeks. We had a pagonging in All-Stars, and they had to throw out completely stupid random twists of let's send four people to Exile Beach to have a stupid challenge to get back on and cause stupid drama and oh okay you're about to get voted out but hey why don't you go to fire because you never like it's just it's it's dumb pointless crap that adds nothing to it whereas this gets played out all completely natural you've got shit being stirred around us right now with all of this crap that Craig is digging up and then as soon as Kadena are gone then Tapara have to turn on themselves think about every single boot that plays forward Lance absolutely no fucking clue that there was an alliance he's gone he's blindsided Jane admittedly probably the most boring vote out of the whole merge section but we'll get to that and then from then we have all the drama involved around Joel Shona Rob the Sophie vote out because that's the big turning point that's a big flip and then all of a sudden you've got all the shit going down from that point on so I for one would argue that the end of this game is hands down better and more entertaining than what we got in All-Stars you know, absolutely, and uh, and that's. I mean, they've got a mix of people in that in in the game at the moment that they're playing all different ways. Like Katie has a great confessional where she's talking about Sophie, and I and I love this because Sophie does a confessional first where she says that she's having a rough time with her conscience, and that the game and she's been having that the whole game, and it's actually getting harder and harder to play. It then cuts to a Katie confessional, which is great because she's having a go at Sophie. She's annoyed with Sophie because she's like, well, Sophie is proud to be in their alliance, but she's not happy to make any of the dirty decisions or make any of the hard calls. And that it's actually disturbing. She says it's disturbing her. And it's a great little line because Katie's right. Hang on a sec. Sophie here, she, she wants to be in the alliance, but she doesn't want to do the dirty work. And here, Katie, let's be honest, Katie's doing the majority of the dirty work with Rob and Shona, but she's the mastermind of the dirty work. And Sophie is meant to be in that alliance, but she can't count on her because she doesn't want to do the clutch plays when required. 
you, you've jumped a little bit ahead there, but I completely agree with you. That's sort of right before tribal. But no, you're right. Like, you're absolutely right that that's... I agree with you completely. And I think kind of that's where I think this episode, again, has got those interesting layers to it with Sophie. Because, like, so, Sophie's someone that, again, really hasn't been a huge standout. She's kind of there. We know she's an important part of this uh, Tapara 4. Uh, but, like, again, this is, is important. It kind of throws that red herring out into the open, doesn't it? Where it's kind of like, well, hey, like, Sophie might be in trouble. This is going to happen here. I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. One thing I want to quickly add before we do get here to the immunity challenge. Sorry, Lance, if you're listening. But this this is just gold here. When he's having this conversation with Craig, Craig's flat out telling him the truth. Like, hey, Katie's come to me. This is what's happened. This is that. And Lance is just basically like, yeah, see, like, I know Katie and Rob, and you don't, and <laughs> you're kind of wrong. They wouldn't do that. And then Craig comes up with the Perla. He's like, I guarantee you'll be in your lounge room after this is all done, thinking well, you were right. <laughs> and Lance is, has this confessional where Lance is basically like, yeah, look, you know, there could be an alliance, but in my heart, I know I'm right. I could be wrong, but in my heart, and my heart never, ever is wrong. I know that I'm right. Craig, you're wrong. And like, just that line of, you'll be in your lounge room watching this. I did like that line because it, it, it reminded me of during All-Stars when, when Shawnee mentions to Jackie that you, you don't want to be that meme, that Sue's big move meme. <laughs> so she, it, and it's, it is, it is, it's basically exactly what Craig's doing all those years before, you know, 19 years earlier. He's telling Lance, you know, you don't want to be on your lounge sitting at home thinking, shit, like I was right. And, Shawnee was doing it all those years later, saying it to Jackie, like you don't want to be that person that becomes a meme because you didn't make the big move. So, and so we- sorry, I admit I I did jump forward there to day twenty four after the immunity. I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, I it all fit into it fit all very well into what we're talking about. But ah, I, I think we've just discovered then, Matt, that um, you know, again, Australian Survivor season one, well ahead of its time. Fuck Sue's big move. When's Lance's big move happening? Like, <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah. Are you waiting for Lance's big move? I am. Good point. I am. I am. Now, Ben, we're up to the tre- uh, tree mail. What do you call it? Challenge mail. Challenge mail. I just so used to call it tree mail. But anyway, so it's for immunity, and I'm going to do my thing again, Ben. I'm going to read it out. So you ready? Who's reading this now? Who are you impersonating? Uh, who did read it out, actually? Good point. I'm just going to yeah. try this impersonate myself. Go for it. The, the esteemed Australian survivor legend that is Matt Dyson, coming soon to a DVD shelf near you. For the record, I don't actually ever try to impersonate everyone. I just read it in my voice as if, if I was on the show, how I would read it. But uh, but anyway, um, okay, so the tree mile for immunity. The fire of life can quickly turn. Relax for a minute and your hopes will burn. Stand, stand tall and straight. Don't let your arm fall. Strength and patience will win immunity's call. I, I really would love to get a job on Survivor as just being the person who comes up with a little limericks. I think that would be a fun little job uh, to kind of to kind of do that. Um, I like this challenge. This is this is again a I, I'm not a fan of endurance challenges nowadays because nowadays they're literally all the same. Um, but like back in old school Survivor, this was kind of like a fresh little thing. And they used to only do it really like once a season. Like it, you kind of, your first ever individual challenge would always be the stand on a pole challenge. You know, it'd basically be that. And then the final one would always be the hand on the idol challenge, you know, kind of basic things. I think they were great at the time. And this one's a, just a unique stamp on it. They've literally got to hold a stick above a fire. And as soon as your arm gets tired, you're going to be dropping your arm. And as soon as your stick is lit 
or you drop your sick or whatever, you're out of the challenge. Simple. And this is kind of a unique take on it, and I like it. And the, another reason why I think I like this too is because we don't see this a hundred more times throughout this season. Um, so it's and the set design looks fantastic. I love night challenges. I'm I'm an advocate for more night challenges in Survivor. They look fantastic. Um, and again, simple concept: stick over a fire, boom, easy. And I I really I really enjoy this challenge. I I didn't think I would enjoy this challenge. Um, you know, when I saw it described, I'm like, oh, I don't think I like this one. But I actually do because it it borders down to that Rob Craig rivalry. And what do we get? We get Craig winning. Uh, Craig wins the personal immunity. It's not individual immunity, Matt. It's personal immunity. <laughs> Thanks, Lincoln. Um, at an hour, three minutes and 15 seconds, which can I just say, immunity challenges when they were endurance, when they actually used to be endurance. Nowadays, it's just like they put the things up on the bottom of the screen. It's been fucking 10 minutes. Ooh, long. Um, so, yeah, I like this. Craig, boom, two in a row. And at this point, let's be honest, we're all believing Craig's going to do this. Craig is going to keep on winning. I can't agree with you anymore, Ben. For a challenge that would have been very cheap to make, I mean, what, they had to get nine poles and set up a fire? It's one of my favourite. It's one of the my favourite ones I've seen so far. Visually, it looked amazing at being at night with the fire going. Um, and you're right, it's an endurance challenge, and it came down to who wanted it more. Um, the fir- I was surprised that Katie was first out. She only lasted three minutes. She three was minutes, first out. yeah. Very surprising. I thought she would have lasted, you know, 45 minutes minimum. But, uh, yeah. Oh, another thing, too, I loved something I really loved about Lincoln in this where he, he explained the challenge. He got him to start. They all obviously put out their dominant hand. And then he said, let's switch it up a little bit. Like not, not Not 10 minutes into it or 30 minutes. Straight away, he let everyone put out, like, put it out first with their dominant hand. And then he's like, all right. Let's switch it up, make it a little harder, switch hands. So I like that's what I really love. So you've got to remember, everyone did this with their non-dominant hand, unless I was smart enough, of course, to uh, go out first with their non-dominant hand, but who would have done that? So um, Katie was out first. She lasted three minutes. Rob was the last to drop it, which uh, he lasted, of course, you said the one hour, three minutes and 15 seconds, and Craig wins. But I think what is most important about this is you once again see that battle against the two alphas of their tribe. The Kadena tribe was all, obviously the alpha male was always Craig and the alpha male of Tapara was Rob. So to see that showdown and to see that build up throughout this episode of those two, you know, we know that Craig gave him the vote the episode before Rob's shitty about it. You know, Rob wants Craig gone immediately Craig knows that. He doesn't give a shit. He's there to stir the pot. He's after Rob. So to have this challenge come down to the two big dogs, the two alphas, and then to Craig to win and just ruin their plans even more, it was a great challenge. And it's it's probably the only real opportunity we see these two to kind of have this, isn't it? Like it's it's and you're right, absolutely right. Um the the order too, I think, was a little bit because Katie went first. Again, very surprising. Jane, Naomi, then Shona. Uh, Sophie, Lance, and Joel. Now, gotta love Joel, Mister Happy. We I don't think we really talk too much about his over you know exuberant personality. I love Joel just before he goes out. He's doing a bit of a dance. If you actually look at him, and that's going to be a bit of a trope we're going to get with Joel with some later challenges. Uh, you know, again, just Mister Happy. Gotta love Joel. Rice in his pockets. You know, 
And and from memory, I'm sure Shona lasted about 45 minutes. It's amazing. I mean, you know, it just shows you how strong she was, a 49-year-old lady at the time. And uh, here Katie only lasted three minutes and Shona lasted about 45 minutes from memory. And also Lincoln, I love too how he's kind of doing his commentary and he's kind of like, ah, straighten that arm, straighten that arm, straighten yeah. that arm. <laughs> Good yeah. on you, Lincoln. Um, now, the pre-tribal stuff, there's obviously one moment we're going to talk about a fair bit here because it's, it's fucking fantastic. But um, I think, kind of, I mean, you, you go back to your point, you kind of covered a fair bit here with the Sophie stuff, which is, is important because kind of, again, it's, it's really kind of setting up a bit of a red herring. There's a real kind of, you know, you don't really know. Like, okay, you're assuming Naomi's going, but... Props to the editors here for at least trying to make it a bit surprising because there, there it has been a bit of a weak point on this season in that generally every tribal council you know who's going like there hasn't really been that tension uh, of who is going to go home maybe with a few of the Kadena ones well let's be honest there was only one Tapara one anyway so I mean you know it's not like they had many to choose from there but um, I like generally if you're watching this. Naomi's scrambling her ass off and all of a sudden Sophie looks in trouble. Sophie has that little moment just before tribal where she's like, Jane, if you're in trouble, I'm going to tell, you know, I'll, I'll let you go. And then Katie in that confessional you're talking about before, she's like, you know, yeah, she disturbs me. You know, loose lips sink ships. Uh, if she threatens the alliance, I'm going to I'm gonna ask Rob to go. Important point there. I'm going to ask Rob to mm. let her go. I do like that little line there. Um, but, like, this is the discussion where all of a sudden – you know, you've got Naomi pleading with Joel. You've got Naomi pleading with other people. And they're kind of going along. We're like, well, yeah, like, Jane's kind of shit. Again, poor old Jane. She's shit. Um, you know, uh, she's getting a free ride, basically, Shona kind of says along with Naomi. Um, I do love that line then from Shona where she basically says in a confessional where she's like, this is part of one of my strategies. I'm going to think about it. I'm literally thinking about strategy 25 hours a day. I love that line from Shona. So I think like it, it's all very well edited. You've got a bit of tension going. Let's be honest. Naomi has no chance of surviving. She's going home. But at least 2002, 15-year-old Ben, I was sitting on my edge of my seat going, okay, Naomi might have saved herself here. Jane, Sophie, they could be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Uh... Even Rob has a little confessional there where he's talking about um, wanting – he's talking about the possibility of Jane going, and his reason for that is because, remember, he's just lost to Craig, and he, he I think he knows that Craig is going to be – is going to threaten him in all the challenges, and he's worried about that. So he's actually thinking, well, maybe, you know, we, we keep – we get rid of Jane because she's never going to beat Craig in a challenge just so that way we can try to help – so get people to help – will help win against Craig so they can finally vote out Craig because he's, he's actually genuinely worried about Craig going on this massive run and winning immunities all the way to the end. Which I think is a, is a real credit to Rob and his ability to adapt to situations because in the last episode, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's toying with Craig like, oh, you got to win all the challenges. Like, oh, yeah, you've got a lot ahead of you two weeks in, he's won both immunity challenges. So all of a sudden, Rob's going, oh, fuck, like, he could do this. So I would have come up with some contingency plans here. So that's what he's doing. So again, Rob adapting to the situation. But before we get to trial, I mean, let's be honest, it's the most, maybe the most straightforward tribal we've had all season. <laughs> let's talk about a little moment that Matt and I had to rewind a couple of times to make sure that we heard correctly what Mr. Rob Dixon said when he's talking to Shona and he's basically talking about Jane not being a threat in a challenge. Unless it's the biggest breast challenge or something. 
Now, I, now, what a what a line! This has got to be maybe the great. I don't know if it's the greatest line of the season so far, but this is just pure amazing. It reminded me of the 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 Zach and the dishwashing challenge yes. uh, comment from my season. Um, he wouldn't get away with this in social media in 2020. Oh, could you imagine? And and Shona's reaction. I mean. It, it just shows you the relationship that Rob and Shona must have had because I reckon if anyone else said that to Shona, she would have been like, "What the hell did you just say?" But she kind of she kind of shrugs it off and pretends she didn't hear it. But he does. I rewound it like five times, and he definitely says it. And uh, you know, but it just sort of it, and it's funny that the editors left that in. But yeah, Shona just fobs it off like almost like I pretend I didn't hear that. But it, it reminded me of Zach's comment about the only the only way that the girls were going to win in, against him was in the dishwashing challenge. So it did it did have that sort of you know bit of uh, sort of humour to it, I guess. I have to wonder how much um, fun Rob had watching this back with his wife because a week ago he's basically dared another woman to streak naked to which he said in a confession or at tribal council might have a bit of explaining to do to my wife when I get back home followed by the next week of oh yeah basically this 18 year old girl has massive boobs Um, (laughs) which is just it's just it's hilarious and this is you you mentioned to me I think off air that Rob's a little bit cheeky like Rob's got a little bit of cheek to him and it's just it's just such a Passover comment. Like, it's not kind of... Play- like, again, we, we had also, um, in the last episode, his comment about Joel having a big penis. So, like, I mean, <laughs> he's basically... <laughs> big dicks, big boobs, women naked. Go on, Rob Dixon. What a man. Yeah, he, he's a great character. He's got... You know, he's always... His mind's always in the game. He's there to win. And he, he, he makes that clear here that, uh, you know, he's got time to be friends with them on the outside, but... Here and he'll be friendly with them now, but he's not there to make friends. That he'll he'll do that after the show's finished. But at the same time, he he can also have that. He's still got that humour, and he's not letting get get in the way. And you're right. We talked about it before we started recording, and he does. He's got that bit of cheekiness to him, a little bit like like a Luke Toki. Luke Toki's probably a lot more, but Rob's got that in him. He he's got that that you know he can say the cheeky comments. But most importantly, he can get away with it. Someone like my man David Haas, if he said it, he wouldn't have got away with it. It's just the way society is. It's, it's Unfortunately, it's the way the world works. Some people can say things and get away with it, where if the, another person says the exact same thing, they would be turned on by everyone. It's, it's the way it is, and he gets away with it. And I think also it's important, like with someone like Luke, like it's, it's a decent comparison, I think, because, like, I mean, difference is, again, like Luke, he's a bit more of a exuberant personality whereas i think rob's kind of that blokey but kind of you know he can drop a thing every now and then and but again luke plays in a day and age of survivor where he knows what to say in a confessional to get airtime he knows how to play it up to it and you know david Jeanette is a, is a perfect example of that i mean he, he lives for those moments um whereas whereas rob i think again it's confessionals and things like this are so much more natural because again people aren't playing up to the camera as much but rob also you know, I, I I assume at this time he was still working a little bit in in filming. I don't know if he had started that career yet, but obviously he's he went on to you know be a, an esteemed filmmaker. So even let's just say he is at this point working in television or working in filmmaking. So he he's aware of what is good television. So you know that's kind of the mindset. But it also does come across very natural with Rob as well. We've talked about that in the past. Whereas I think in Modern Survivor it can come across a little bit fake because yeah. 
I can think you can tell people are playing up to the camera a little bit more than anybody clearly was here in 2002. Oh, when, when Zach said his dishwashing, that, that was all playing up to the camera. You know, Zach's first season was all about just deliberate comments to play up. The, Rob didn't go in there thinking that, oh, he was going to say that for the camera. That was just Rob being Rob being cheeky, you know? Yeah. Where, yeah. yeah, you're right. And you can spot it a mile away. You can spot where people have gone in. And, and a lot of contestants now do go in with pre-planned things that they're going to say to the camera. You know, Rob, that, was, that wasn't that was Rob. You know, the Rob was just being Rob. That's probably what he was like in his normal life. He's been a little bit cheeky and people liked it. I mentioned the tribal is is a very straightforward tribal. There's not really much to talk about here. Even even the questions are kind of very basic. I do like Naomi gumming in with a football though. Kind of I I do like her carrying that. And even Lincoln sort of mentions Naomi. I see you've got your footy. Can the Blues? Um and basically Naomi goes. Um Craig. I do like his little vote out there of Rob when he's like. Here's another one. Vote for you, Rob. Pissed you off last time. I'm going to do it again. Um, but I think the most notable point of this is Craig crying when Naomi gets voted out, uh, which it, it's sweet. Like, let's... I don't know if there ever was anything. I don't think there was. That there was... I mean, we can confirm this. I, I don't know. Maybe Naomi can spill the beans next week. Who knows? But... I think no matter whether or not there's a romantic connection there or not, they're obviously very close friends. And I, I really do like that little moment of a bit of a tick. Because Craig, again, you mentioned he's kind of this alpha male, you know, sort of him battling it out with Rob. But I just love this soft side to him that he's like, he's he's emotional that Naomi has gone home. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real blink and you miss moment. You've really got to pay attention to it. I think they kind of, they do emphasise it a little bit more later on in, in either the reunion or the um, Surviving Survivor special afterwards. But, yeah, it's something that you've really got to pay attention to and just a sweet little moment there for Craig. But um, Naomi, sadly gone. We'll go over some things with Naomi in just a moment, but I don't know if you've got anything else to add on this uh, tribal. Uh, no, I, I like that Lincoln at the start explained... Obviously, this remember, this is early day Survivor. It's the first Australian Survivor ever. So people would have been watching this for the first time that may have never watched the American one. So he explains that tonight marks a new chapter in the game and that uh, uh, people who get voted out will become jury members. So I think obviously these days they don't need to explain all that. But, but for a lot of viewers, this would have been the first time they've ever seen Survivor. So I, I like that from Lincoln that we, we get the sort of... And he sort of talks about that later on about how... Um, you know, once Naomi does get voted out about how it's all about basically playing the game, but also playing it in a way that you're managing the people that are going to be voting for you at the end. So I thought that was quite good. And um, during the votes, Craig, Craig gives uh, Rob another vote. So he's voted for him last time. He gives him a note. Away, and, and he says um, that you didn't handle your vote last week. So um, we'll see how another one goes, basically. <laughs> So he's just giving him another little jab. He's like, well, you didn't handle the last one well, so here, ha- have this one, see how you handle that. I, I really like that about this, uh, about the end of this episode. It's an important point, yes. Yeah, she's the first jury member, so here's another little trivia question out there that uh, you know you can throw out to people. We, we did this with Craig a couple of weeks ago, who was the very first individual immunity winner in Australian Survivor history. Craig was the answer, who was the very first jury member in Australian Survivor history. It's not Nikki Danza. It is, in fact, Naomi Knight. Um, so, and like, that is, it is also a very important point of the game because you've played the game. Uh, obviously you're a huge fan. You go into it, you want to win, but I'm sure there is part of you that is it like, I at least want to make the jury. That would be me. I would go in to Survivor with the goal to win, 
but you've mentally got little milestones. It would be get to a tribe swap, get to the merge, get to the jury. And then kind of, you know, once you've reached those stages, obviously things change along the way and you've, you've got these little milestones. So I think it is important and it is like, it is a history breaking moment. Naomi Knight is the very first jury member in Australian Survivor history. It is fact. We're seeing it right now. And I'm glad that Naomi made it to the jury. Not to take away from Karen. I like Karen, but I've, I've really enjoyed watching Naomi this season. There's just something about her personality that I don't think I've ever really appreciated. I always got her and Sophie confused, but I think watching it on this rewatch and analyzing it with you this time around and getting to talk about it each week, I've really appreciated Naomi just for a, a fun little character who won't go down as one of the greatest characters in Australian Survivor history, but she's got enough there that makes her memorable. No, she was good. Um, yeah, she probably didn't get a massive amount of airtime throughout the season. Um, but, you know, she had that good relationship with Craig, which I think was important. She was a part of the Famous Five. Um, and, yeah, I think if she was on Tapara and, and got f- even further in the game, we would have probably seen a lot more of her. But, uh, you know, it would be interesting when we do talk to her whether, you know, how much strategy she was talking with Craig and the likes of... Um, Sylvan and Deb, but um, no, you know, look, she she played well, and, and you're right, she made history, first ever Australian Survivor contestant to make the jury, and that's a, a massive credit to her. Um, it's not easy to get far that far in the game. It's not. Everyone thinks it's uh, oh yeah, if I went on it, I, I would make it that far. But there's so you know, so many things can go wrong, and sometimes it's not even your fault. Like she was in a tribe that was getting decimated, she could have gone a lot earlier, and that would have been no fault of her own. Um, as it was for a lot of those early contestants. But, uh, no, good on her. She, she lasted a long time and, uh, what, 24 days and, yeah, made history. And let's be honest, she really hated that bloody ship, didn't she? Um, so, uh, and, and it's like, I always like to kind of look like we talk about like the first boot club. You're obviously an esteemed member of that, the winner's club. Uh, but like, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's an important note, the first jury member of a season. So uh, I think we can just have a quick little scroll through who she's in the company of an Australian survivor. So of course she became the first, uh, Elton Flatley, the second one in the next season. Then we had, of course, had Nick Idanza season three, first jury member of that one. Jared in season four. Jared seeing that, of course. Your man, Robbie, uh, in uh, season five. Uh, in season six, Sean Hampson, who I I love Sean Hampson. Another, it's, there's a Carlton connection going on here for the first jury members. Naomi, huge Carlton fan. Uh, Sean Hampson played for Carlton. So there you go. Uh, and, of course, on All Stars, we just had Lockie as a first jury member. So uh, Nick, very nearly a two-time first jury member person if he had a lasted just uh, one more vote out. So, um, yeah, interesting little club there. Uh, Naomi, just a couple of quick little uh, things over here in, in the book. Um, she had a cat named Speedy uh, at the time. Went into this as a physical education teacher. I don't know if that was really talked too much about, was it, uh, her being a, a teacher. She has no phobias, according to the book at least, although whinging people piss her off. Uh, and I also appreciate the fact here, her personal item was a navy blue fleecy jumper, her favourite colour, navy blue, and who is her favourite sporting team? The Carlton Blues. So this is why I really appreciate Naomi, maybe a lot more so, and I'm sure next week you're going to get a bit pissed off that I'm going to be talking a little bit about football, uh, none of this rugby league crap that you follow. We're talking about the real footy and the Carlton Football Club next week with Naomi on the show. <laughs> I don't talk AFL, Ben, but uh, in the in the Survivor book, 
Um, I did. Re- I had a quick glance of it uh, today, and uh, it, it, there was an interesting fact. That I'm not sure if she was already a P teacher, but she said while she was on the show, um, she was waiting to hear back if she had got a job as a PE teacher. And then obviously when she finished filming the show, she got back to find out she had got the job. So um, I don't know whether that was her first being a PE. Cause she was only, well, she was 21, 22, I think when she played the 20, game. So um, yeah, it could have possibly, yeah. yes, it could have possibly been her, um, her first job as a full-time PE instructor. And she found out when she got back that she got it. I think it's also, um, I'm not sure if we mentioned, so Naomi got seven votes. So obviously all the Tapara members voted for Naomi. We know Craig voted for Rob again, which is great. But Naomi voted for Lance, which I'm surprised. I don't know whether Naomi, we'll have to find out whether Naomi knew that Craig was going to vote for for Rob. I mean, the votes didn't mean anything unless it was, of course, we know in that part of the game, if there was a tie vote later on, it, the past votes could hurt you. But I'm surprised they both just didn't put it on Rob, to be honest. So maybe, I don't know why Naomi picked Lance over, over Rob. We'll have to... Um, yeah, unless maybe she thought there was a chance Lance was going to go home. Um, she'd been told by Katie or someone that that was going to happen. But hopefully we can find out why she voted for Lance and not Rob. I, I do love here this dates this uh, interview with her that uh, one of her favourite actors is Jerry O'Connell. Who, who's ever said Jerry O'Connell is their favourite actor in the last 10 years? He was from Sliders, wasn't he? Yeah, he was also in... Um... Oh, he's in a lot of those late 90s, early 2000s movies. He's, he's kind of like Sean William Scott. He just disappeared after a while, mm-hmm. I think. So um, there are some other things here too. Uh, the biggest challenge in her life at that point, she left home at 17 to move to the city to go to university. Uh, that's a, a big one. I do like the uh, craziest, wildest thing you would do for money. Allow myself to be stranded on a remote location with 15 strangers, a camera crew, and very little food to compete a variety of physical mental challenges for the title of Australian Survivor. She was obviously a big Survivor fan going into this. She said uh, that the reason she signed up to be on the show was that she was a big fan of the concept. She loved Survivor uh, and that she'd gone into this watching a lot of episodes of the Australian Outback on uh, tape. So uh, she obviously very much uh, went into this as a fan and uh, we'll talk a little bit about her coming on the show next week and your conversation with her because she clearly still is a uh, a big fan of the show as well, which is great to hear. Um, and I do like her uh, skills going into Australian Survivor. Yes, I can cook rice, which was very topical in 2001 before they filmed this because, of course, Keith Famey famously uh, did a book called Yes, I Can Cook Rice because he was obviously a professional chef who got uh, ripped shit into because he couldn't really cook rice very well out there on the uh, Ogukor tribe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, again, Naomi, like, I know I said it before, but, like, Something nice about Naomi's the type of person you just you just want to hang out with. She just seems just like a nice, down to earth person who is just genuine, and just you just want to hang out with Naomi. She just seems like a nice girl who would watch a good football game with you because she's got a smart mind. In her final words, too, she said that uh, she doesn't think she achieved what she wanted to, and she wasn't able to show what she was made of. And she goes on to say that she wants Craig to uh, go all the way and win. So just, it does show you how close her and Craig were. And of course, obviously, they started from day one together in uh, Kadena. All right, we're gonna get we're gonna talk about next week, so we're gonna have her on the show. But I just want to ask this question to you right now: When we ask her next week, did her and Craig ever, you know, become an item? What's she gonna answer? Is it gonna be a yes or a no, Matt Dyson? Let's let's tease our audience. We don't we don't even know the answer to this. We do not know, but we will we will get it from uh, Naomi's mouth and then we'll get it from Craig's mouth. They might tell us different things. We don't know. 
Were they living in the same city or state? Where was so Craig Naomi, living? So Naomi's Melbourne. Uh, Craig is from Port Lonsdale in Victoria. I don't know where that is in the vicinity to Melbourne. Uh, it's near Geelong, so they're only about eighty minutes away from each other. So you know, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. no. I think they would have made a good couple, to be honest. But because uh, Craig would have been, he was a little bit older, wasn't he, at the time? Twenty-seven, five years old. Twenty-seven. Yeah. So, but no, I'm going to say no. For, for shits and gigs, let's say yes. Let's go with a little bit different. Uh, let's say they just bl- briefly had a couple of dates, you know, a couple of drinks. Didn't last, though. I was just thinking, I don't know what made me think of it. I'm just thinking, you know, when they had that reward challenge and they obviously, they're tired, they want to get to bed. How funny would it have been if, like, during the night they wake up, you know, got to go to the toilet or something, and here they find Lincoln still there on the computer <laughs> looking up. <laughs> Lincoln's like, oh, sorry, guys, I thought you were asleep. Oh, I'm, um, just, I'm, just, I'm just with our good friends at Intel using the uh, surfing the web, surfing the cl- net. Closes down a browser quickly. He's on blackforestbabes.com. Um, <laughs> I've just got that picture in my head now. Like, they come out, you know, they're a bit tired in the night, and, and here Lincoln is. He never left. He's just on the computer. You know, he's, he's actually on boatbabes.com. That's why in a couple of weeks he's so annoyed about, give me my bloody boat back, because, like, he <sighs> loves his boat babes. There it is. That's how we oh, met his wife, it. probably, on a boat. Yeah, so, no, I love you know. it. I love it. Um, but in all seriousness, next week uh, we do have Naomi joining us to to chat about her time on the show. So we're very much looking forward to to speaking with her because uh, I've had no previous interview. You've, you've been speaking with her to, to organise the the interview. So um, yeah, I'm I, I'm always excited to speak to these people that we are spending a couple of hours each week talking about. And uh, let's see how much of a percentage of the episode can be talked about, Carlton. Matt, you've got a. I'm going to give you homework. Between now and next week, you need to name five Carlton players between now and next week. Oh, jeez. I wouldn't even know and Sean one. Hampson doesn't count. You can't cheat and go for the most obvious one who's played this game that we love. Sorry, who, who was the most obvious one? Well, Sean Hampson, but you can't give me Sean oh, Hampson because, can't you know. Mention, oh, all right, yeah. I'll have to do some homework, but I have no idea. I know. Look, I know... I know Warwick Kappa played for the Sydney Swans and Brisbane Bears. I know that Gary Ablett played for Geelong. I know Gary Ablett Jr. played for the Suns and Geelong, didn't he? But I think that's about... Oh, and Hawthorne, you had uh, Jason Dunstall. And what was the guy with the curly hair back in the 80s? Uh, Buddha Hocking, Gary Hocking. uh, Oh, no. um, uh, The long curly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Hocking did have long hair. But no, no, no. um, Platten? Platten. Platten, yes. Yeah, Platten. Platinum, yeah. yes. But, well, see, uh, see, this is this is where you've got to give me homework one time when we get another Rabbitohs fan. Like, I mean, the difference is I pay more attention to rugby than you clearly pay attention to AFL. Like, I do follow the NRL. But could I tell you, uh, I mean, what was that guy, Burgess? Didn't he play for the Rabbitohs? Am I thinking yeah, of the right? Yeah, all, all the Burgess did. I know Simon Black played for the uh, the, the, the Lions, obviously. But, uh, yeah, did, unfortunately. Yes. Who did, uh, who did um, uh, uh, Grubby play for? Here you go. Brian Lake. Can you tell me the two uh, clubs he, was he played for? Wasn't he? Was he Hawthorne? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, can you tell me the other club he played for? Uh, I can't. I can't. He played for the Bulldogs. He lucked into joining Hawthorne just as they were winning a bunch of premierships. So um, you know, he he, he got lucky. Ackermanis played. Ackermanis. Oh, Acker. should have been on a champions. Acker would be Tenders. gold on Survivor. Uh, he would just. He would not give two shits about anyone. He would be. Fa- Warwick Kappa actually would be someone to put on. He'd go out first. Let's be honest. <laughs> But um, that would have been good for me. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, tune in next week to, uh, to hear our chat with Naomi. Uh, we're very much looking forward to it. And as I said at the top of the show, uh, it's great for us to be back. We're, we're so excited to be able to bring you these episodes again. We're, we're hoping that we can kind of get on a good flow now, really, to the end of the season and kind of keep bringing you weekly episodes. Again, out of our control, things may happen between now and then. Obviously, Matt and I are in slightly different time zones right now. So uh, there may come a point where we do have a week or two break in between here, but we're hoping that won't be the case. We're hoping that basically from now until the end of this season, we will be on a nice, smooth ride and uh, bring you the remaining recaps and interviews that we will have along the way. We've still got a fantastic interview uh, that we'll close out this season. We actually recorded several months ago, which we're saving for our very last episode of this season. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, we definitely appreciate all your support on social media. Remember, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We post regularly. We're going to try to get back to daily posts along the way as well. And we, we appreciate everyone who stuck by us in the, the last five or so weeks with limited content. We've obviously had some great conversations with some people who provide us with the DVD covers as well as the confessional counts. And also to everybody too has reached out for the buffs. If you've received a buff, You've bought a buff. We'd love to see a photo of you wearing the buff. Uh, obviously, they're, they're a great little piece of memorabilia, which we'd love to see you in. And there are still a few available, so please hit us up if you would like one of those as well. And remember, if you find that Sylvan KFC ad, we'll give you a free buff. If you help us get to 500 likes on Instagram, we'll see Matt Dyson swinging on a vine. And if you get us to 1,000 follows on Instagram, we will see Matt Dyson's long-awaited audition tape for 2002 Australian survivor. A married Matt Dyson now will show that basically because I'm looking forward to seeing that man. I still haven't seen it. You haven't? I'm keeping it in the vault then. Yeah, well, let's open that vault, Matt. It's uh, 2020. We're all bored sitting at home not doing much, so we need something to. What are you going to make us watch? Tiger King or something like that? Whatever that stupid show is. Um, but again, thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun covering this episode. My name is uh, my good friend Intel, and I'm going off to compete in the Biggest Boobs Challenge. My name's Bat Dyson, and I'm going off to surf the Met. With my handwriting, it's funny. You go up there and you think, each time I write my boat, I'll have to write it differently. No one will ever know who it is, but every time I do the same bloody thing, I just I write the name, underline it, and put the exclamation mark there. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Well, Jane's here and she's a lovely girl, but she's just really sitting there looking pretty. She's not very useful, like she won't touch fish and she won't gut anything and she can only carry like one or two bags of water at most and she's just not a very useful person in a rugged environment. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Lance, you didn't get an exclamation mark No, that's you, that's right. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Like usually the people that can keep sort of low under the radar and sort of sit back and analyse the situations and, and watch sort of what people are doing is usually the safest way of doing it and so that's how I've been playing the game. Thanks to our friends at Intel. We feast on fine food, fine wine, chocolate. You'll even get to use a computer to surf the net. Thanks to our friends at Intel. That's actually false. I did pee over Orby but I had a co-pilot with me. Thanks to our friends at Intel. During my travels overseas I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Lady Diana. No, it's false. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh. I was thinking it's possible, but he doesn't seem like another day. Yeah, but you've known him for three days. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh.
Katie asked us to vote a certain way. She just said that they see you as a physical threat and a mental threat. If she had three votes against you or whoever it is that's with her, and I assume it's Rob, that that would be their benefit. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh, I'd be very, you yeah, know, knowing Katie and, and Rob. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh, I just can't imagine that for my really. Honestly, I just, just can't imagine. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh, and that's cool. But, but I mean, I could be wrong. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh, I guarantee you'll be in the end Right. Lance is pretty harmless. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh. Be a survivor. You too could drive away in a brand new Ford Escape, the ultimate four-wheel drive getaway. Or you could win a trip to be there when we reveal the sole survivor live, courtesy of Jet Set. Your challenge? Call this number now or go to 9msn.com.au forward slash survivor for your chance to win big. You could also win fantastic weekly prize packs for you and your tribe. Win a V6 Ford Escape. There are no boundaries. Thanks to our friends at Intel. Oh.